I met this basketball player once, this guy David Blue, uh, and he's a huge in Israel. He's a huge Israeli player, but he only did one summer league um, in the NBA with the Kings, and he got cut. And he said in summer league he guarded Kobe, and Kobe he boxed Kobe out and got him right at the angle that he threw him on his ass. And then Kobe, when they're running up court together, Kobe said to him, you better net that, better not let that shit happen ever again. And he had a moment where he thought that was fucking cool. And he's like, and that's how I knew I'd never make the NBA. <laughs> because I thought it was so it. cool that Kobe chewed me out. Oh yeah. Um, all right. So Let's it's his this. movie. The preview should be fucking cool. He Why? always puts it, he puts an old, either fake preview. That's right. Or like shit from the 70s, some Grindhouse movie preview from the I just 70s. Really, so I haven't seen a Tarantino movie in theater since Django, that means. Oh, hell yeah. So dude. this is exciting. It's be fun as shit. All right. All right. Everybody. Welcome to Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank Talker. I'm Ari Shafir. Today's episode, we got... Um, do I even want to do a teaser? Or is this going to be the teaser? I guess this will be the teaser. I'm doing a spoiler episode. I'm back from my digital vacation. I, 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 uh, if you hadn't listened, I took some time off from all my social media, from my email, texting. I just got to fucking switch to a landline for the month. Voicemail and uh, calls from my kitchen only. Uh, and then when I did some traveling, I guess I had nothing. Um, it was fun, though. I went right from Skankfest. That was the last time I did this podcast. It was from this fucking couch when I was drunkenly from Skankfest, got my revenge on Lewis, tried to get re- – dude, I've never been so fucking late for a flight. Oh, we're going to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Me and Sam Morell, hilarious comic, went to see it. We've done the spoiler alert episodes podcast before. If you want to see the movie and you have it. I'd hold off on this. If you've seen the movie, fucking listen away. It's quite a fun discussion. If you aren't going to see the movie, listen away. Fun discussion. If you want to decide if you want to see the movie, listen to the first 30 minutes of the podcast itself, not the intro, so like 38 minutes total maybe. Uh, And then we're just discussing up until the point where we go see the movie. And then we break, go, come back, talk about it. Um, I fucking love Tarantino. He's been one of my favorites since I studied in college. Um, I do a report on American directors, and I chose Pulp Fiction. And the teacher was like, you can do a report on Pulp Fiction, but you got to watch it like a bunch of times, like dozens of times. And I did. I watched it 14 times. I kept discovering new shit in Pulp Fiction all the time. New shit, new shit. Tarantino's fucking sick. So fun. Even his shitty movies, you call Hateful Eight shitty, whatever. You're still talking about it two weeks later. He's a fucking on another level director. Um, have you guys seen Midsommar, by the way? See it. Tense, super interesting, pretty movie. 
weird, lower your expectations, but fucking see it. It's cool. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, last time I was, I went, okay, so I packed my shit. I've, this is how late I was. I, I got to the airport. I mean, like they tell you be at three hours in advance for an international flight. Go, I mean, go fuck yourself. But in fairness, an hour and a half would cut it. 41 minutes is not the right amount of time. So I get there. I try to like, you know, print up my ticket. Um, and they go, no, no, you can't print this up. And I was like, well, I need to check. So I just went to the help desk. I'm like, I need to check this bag. And they were like, oh, no, I did print it up already. Printed on my ticket, but not a fucking check bag. So I need to check a bag. I'm like, where do I check this? I printed it. I got my ticket printed, printed before Skankfest or at Skankfest. Rebecca printed it for me. So I had the ticket. And I was like, I need to check my bag. They're like, it's too late for that. And then just turns around. Is anyone less helpful or more unhelpful than fucking any airport employee? If I was at a bank and they were closing, I'd be like, can I come in the bank? They're like, it's closed. But we'll be open tomorrow at 10. They, they give you the next suggestion. These fucking airline employees. Nah, it's too late for that. And then you just stare at them for a second or the back of their heads as they turn around and do more fucking texting work on their phone. And I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so now what should I do? You fucking idiots. Of course, I don't say that. I'm like, so what can I do? They're like, I don't know. It's too late. No help. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, I, I have a check bag. They're like, well, you can't get that on this flight. And I'm like, fuck. So in a panic, I solve problems. I dominate, you guys. And this is one of those moments. I just took it. I just took it with me to security. This is a massive bag, an Osprey bag that I took hiking in Austria and, and Italy on the border, Tyrol. I've talked about that. Um, so fucking big. There's just no, it's not a carry-on bag. There's no stretch of the imagination is a carry-on bag. And I just took it with me. And I'm going through, I get to where the, the TSA first lady checks your ticket and your, and, your, um, and your license. And she's like, oh, that's not going to get on. I'm like, oh, no, they told me. They told me to take it. And she goes, okay, you can last up there. <laughs> One down. I get to the fucking conveyor belt of the things. And I put the thing on. It wouldn't even fit through the the doorway of the conveyor belt, you know, the guy's like, "Hey, you can't get this on," and I'm like, "No, oh, the the guy back there told me I, I should," and he's like, "No, you can't." I'm like, I, "He told me I should. I don't know," and he goes, I don't know. "So I just tightened all the fucking straps, pulled them like way tight together. This Osprey bags really, really fucking collapsed well, and uh, and I just shoved it on. Oh, I had a little t- there's a little attachment at the top, like a fa- a removable fanny pack. Um, so I'm like, oh, I can take this off. <laughs> I was like, that's not enough. That's like fucking four percent of the whole size of the bag anyway i pulled all the straps together shoved it in got through ran to my gate they are like doing last calls and they're like no we need to see your your fucking passport got it went through they didn't see my bag at all they didn't even look get to the airline into the plane go back to my seat overhead compartment no room even if there was room it ain't fitting up there so I go back to the front. I ask one of the stewardesses, and I'm like, "Excuse me, sir. I, um, I there's no. I can't find a place to put this this bag." And he was like, "Well, that's way too big for a carry on." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know, right? There's no room for it." And he goes, "You can't take this on here." And I'm like, "Well, what should I do?" He goes, well, "Why'd you take this on?" I was like, "The guy before told me I'm supposed to. I don't. I don't know. You just play stupid. People love acting better than you if you just play stupid." And so he was like, "Ugh." And he took the bag, and I was like, I do have a top 
uh, fanny pack that comes off. That might help. And that, that's not in the bag. Anyway, so he took it. Just he's like, it'll be in the front. I'm like, fair enough. Win number one went to Wales. Went to Heathrow, then Wales. Got some mushrooms. Went to Glastonbury, Barcelona, Barcelona, uh, the Costa Brava. Then back home to America, where I was not online or texting at all. If you tried to reach me, I was not to be reached. You couldn't. But what was fun is I decided let's do this fucking. I want to see Once Upon a Time in America in, the, in Hollywood. I love Tarantino, so I got Sam Morell talked him into fucking coming out with me. We went to watch the movie, so we do a little introduction um, about how, what we're expecting to see. That'll last you. Oh, I have it right here on the Garage Band. That's thirty-one minutes. So plus this time, thirty-seven. Let's call it forty minutes in. First forty minutes, we'll have no spoilers. After that, all spoilers. Uh, I mean, four minutes into the after the after the thirty-minute part, um, spoilers for sure. Maybe about forty-four. Um, so anyway, I'll talk more about this fucking vacation where I learned later when I process it. I'll tell you what. The one thing, though, as soon as I get home, just the texting alone, I can feel it pulling. I'm in conversations, and I feel a pull to check my phone when I should be enjoying the people I'm around. It's, it's not good. Uh, anyway, fun episode. Sam Marill's fucking hilarious. Check him out on Twitter, at Sam Marill, two R's. Um, and that's it. Let's start. He has also a podcast called Keeping Joe that I was on a couple weeks ago. Uh, bored on my digital vacation, wandered in and just fucking hijacked their podcast. So check that out if you want to see more of, hear more of me. Ladies and gentlemen, I fucking love Tarantino, man, and I'm excited to do this movie. I wanted to see it with Miss Pat. Oh, but I'm, oh, I played spades with her whole giant black family. She's, her family's fucking crazy. She's like, oh, this is my, this is my, this is my baby. This is my other baby. This is my baby's lesbian girlfriend. This is my, this is my, oh, he, 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 my mama, crack, crack whore. <laughs> he crack baby. <laughs> it's just fucking great. Oh, um, yeah, I surprised the Indianapolis crowd with Miss Pat open for me. And, uh, they went nuts. Guys, I'm always, I'm always going to put on the best show I can. Uh, let's do some dates real quick before I start because I pretty much forgot. Um, Nothing through August. So uh, at the end of the month, Atlantic City, at September 7th, at the Borgata, September 7th. Then Madison, Wisconsin, September 19th through the 21st. Um, I might be doing Winnipeg on the 22nd. I don't know about that. Oh, Adam Carolla show, 23rd. Really? Did I put that in? Hmm. Um, that might not be a thing. The Brea. Improv in California, September 26th, 27th, and 28th. Come see me in Brea. That'll be fun. Then October, we got Dallas on the 3rd, Houston on the 4th and 5th. Then I think I'm going to my first Cowboy game at Dallas Stadium. That'll be fun. Nashville uh, in the middle of October, 17th, 18th, 19th. San Jose in November. Detroit and Chicago also in November. Get tickets at AriShafir.com. Oh, and then I'm going to Cincinnati, September, November 17th. All those tickets are on sale. Definitely get tickets for the Vic right now. Definitely get tickets for – that's in uh, November. Definitely get tickets for uh, uh, September 7th, the weekend after Labor Day. It's got to be the worst weekend in Atlantic City. Um, and whatever. And Madison. Uh, guys, they're all going to be fun. They're all going to be fucking fun. I'm having so much fun doing this Jew hour right now. So that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start.
Are you first Captain Tank episode 360 something? I have no idea. Once upon a time in Hollywood, a spoiler alert episode with Mr. Sam Morrell starts now. Before I go out, I must tell you about Edinburgh. If anybody's going to Edinburgh, Edinburgh, you got to see Steve Renazisi. You got to go see him. He's there starting this coming Tuesday, the, what are we on now? The 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, something like that. I don't know, the 12th? No. Um, eighth. Here we go. The thirteenth, four p.m. at the Tonics, just the caves. I think the Tonics are four twenty. That might be even better. First of all, bring him drugs. Uh, second of all, he's doing an hour about the nine eleven lie. He's doing an hour about it, and it's going to be really fucking interesting. Uh, he doesn't know how Edinburgh works, so. Help him out. Tell people about the show. He didn't know how to get a promoter or anything like that. He's just going for the fucking love of, the, of, the, of an interesting fucking fringe experience. Definitely, definitely go see that. It's going to be a super interesting hour. He's a great guy, and he's super funny. Also, see Dan Soder's hour. Um, it's at 7.15, I think, at, I think, the Underbelly, one of the Underbellies. Um, Sean Patton is there. He's fucking great. Lisa Traeger's there. She's done my show, my storytelling show, a couple times on TV, or at least once on TV. Um, definitely see her hour, too. I saw Soder's hour in Montreal, and it's fu- it fucking kills. I mean, it kills. Um, Soder's the underbelly in the dairy room, 715, uh, except for the 12th. Oh, so go see Renazisi, the 12th. No, the 13th, he starts. No, he starts the 12th. Um, no, he starts at 12. Right, so go see him that day. Everyone else is off. Go see him that day. Start telling people about it. Tell people to go if you're going to see Renazisi's. He needs the help, and it would be fucking cool if he got an audience there. He doesn't know how Edinburgh works. Um, that's it, you guys. Let's start the episode. By the way, here's my theory about this movie, and I'll deal with it later. I think it's about friendship, and I think it's about a specific friendship with one of his friends. That he's now technically, I guess, no longer allowed to be friends. I think he's doing a movie about friendship for a very good reason. In his first movie, post Weinstein, I think this is this is what that film is about. In an artistic way, in a not like let me just hit the nail on the head and fucking beat you over the head with it. I think it is artistically him dealing with it. But let's start the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Archie first episode, episode something something three something sixty something. Uh, a spoiler episode. Once upon a time in Hollywood starts now with Sam Morrell. Bye. Pretty girl. Pretty pretty girl. Cease to exist. Just come and say you love me. Give up. Your world Come on, you can't be I'm your kind Oh, your kind I can see Walk on, walk on I love you, pretty girl My life is yours And you can have my word Never had a lesson 
I said, I don't know what uh, 70 millimeter means. Me neither. <laughs> but I wanted to act like I knew yesterday it when you brought cool. it up. I don't know why. It just seems cool. <laughs> well, everyone says that that's how you have to see a Tarantino movie. And I'm like, of course. Of but course, I don't know well, what that means. Yeah, sure. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, how often in life do you just try to keep up with people? I haven't seen. I didn't see his last movie, to be honest. The Hateful Eight. Really? I didn't see it. Okay. I've seen most of his stuff. Where are you on, on your fandom for him? I think he's great. I'm a big fan. I loved... Um, I mean, Pulp Fiction's probably number one, but... Pulp Fiction's probably number one. But I love Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown was underrated. So underrated. You listen to Weezer at all? Uh, I've heard... Which, which album? Their second album, Pinkerton. I love Pinkerton. Yeah, and I think it's one of their best, but everyone's like, mm. It's went green album to blue album, or blue album to green album, and they skip Pinkerton. But I'm like, Pinkerton's a fucking love letter all the way... That might be, yeah, it might be my favorite one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the recent stuff is so bad. It's pop now, but that but they put out that that album of covers, and they're not even good covers. And by the way, they're done exactly the same as the original. You can't tell that fucking Africa song is not Toto until like someone tells you. I don't like covers unless you're doing something different. Like Cat Power does a cover of New York, New York, and that's a fucking cool cover. Guns and Roses have that cover of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Sure, that's like, like I mean, that's an original sort of thing. It's like it's like hear the lyrics, do it however you want. I like I yeah. like when you're doing something different. I heard a Tori Amos used to what, early days of Napster and like yeah. illegal downloads. What, I got way into like live versions of songs <laughs> by other by other bands, you know. And she did a cover of "Smells Like Teen Spirit" that you didn't even know what "Smells Like Teen Spirit" until about a minute and a half in. But that to me is cool. Yeah, like if, if, you, exactly. if you're going to do that, then just do it your own way. Otherwise, mm-hmm. why why do we need to hear a cover? Yeah, exactly. Then I'll just hear the band. Totally. Plus, if it's radio, like Weezer's on, I'm like. They can just play the Toto version. Isn't it weird to, to you when when some a group is great and they just become not just worse but kind of terrible? Because mm-hmm. Weezer was great. Weezer was great. I saw a video about it about what goes wrong with directors in particular, but I could like relate it to stand up. And one of the things is once you become rich, you can't relate to the common man anymore. Hmm. So you're, you're especially with directors like then some of these guys like all their movies become about like Rushmore type type lifestyle you know <laughs> where it's like oh you're not at all relating to like degenerates because you're not one you're hanging out with movie stars and like right so well that relates to stand up for sure yeah right? right you have seen that of course yeah it's it gets I'm sure the more successful you get I mean what do people want to hear like you know what the problem with caviar is it's well, like dude I saw Tim the Toolman Taylor. Um, Tim Allen? Tim Allen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, why'd you get the way longer version of his name? Um, he came into the store. 
the first time I'd ever seen him, and he was going off about his mechanic fucked up the clutch on his on his Ferrari. And you just Hilarious. see everyone just glaze That started over. every man, by the way. What? He, my mechanic fucked up. The, so it's like, it's like oh, it's going to be a car bit. You leave it as I can relate, but you went to Ferrari, and now everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then the problem is, if you act like you're not rich, and you're Tim Allen, there's like a dishonesty there, right? But, then, but if you don't want to flaunt it, either. Right, right. You could, there's a way to do it. Yeah. You know? You just can leave out certain Seinfeld details. does it really well. I heard Seinfeld once do a bit where he goes, life is garbage, life is horrible, and then he just pauses and goes... I mean, for you guys more than me. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just an occasional nod. They're like, obviously, I know I'm doing well. Sure. Like, if you're complaining about the price, it's like, it's not going to kill me. I never got Tim Allen's stand-up. Everyone, he's like one of those dudes that people were like, dude, he was a murderer in the 90s. And then every clip I see is just like chauvinist horseshit. Yeah. You want to be like, tell me two bits. Right. Off the top of your head. One bit. Two bits. One bit. Exactly. The famous bit was, men are pigs. Too bad we own everything. <laughs> I'm like, that's a joke? That was 80s comedy. We're like, this will be my shtick. What's your shtick? Right. You know? Maybe that's what it takes. Uh, Jay was talking about that. Like, if you had Emo Phillips or like any of those guys, just without a name, be who he was now in the New York comedy club scene. You'd be like, dude, Emo, what the fuck are you doing up but there? E- but Emo's jokes were great. I know, but you'd still be like that stuff, like, like that shticky stuff you had from the 80s, you know, where it's like, oh, <laughs> And you're like, the why voice are you is acting weird. like that, dude? What the fuck is wrong with you? He's not like that at all offstage. It'd be like if Mackie, he's uh, sort of like that, actually. Now that I think about it, he most is a That's the thing. Like I've that. met him before, and he seemed, to, he seemed yeah, like he's that. He's weird. You're right. You're right. I'll take it back with Emo. Because <laughs> it is, is like Mackie. Mackie is Mackie. Like, that is him. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, Sam. What's going on? <laughs> like, it'd be crazy. No, Mackie is that. Yeah. But you needed, I guess... Yeah, that we, sticky thing, like, I'm going to be the dude's dude. We put clothes in the dryer. That's good enough for us. Right? It's like, it's, uh, all right. You watch some of those clips, and I don't, I mean, those, like, Dangerfield specials and stuff. Some of them hold up still. Like, the Hicks ones hold up. Oh, I hated Hicks. Oh, really? I never thought it was funny. All the clips I've seen, I'm like, there's no laughs in here. Oh, I thought he, dude, there's some stuff of him you'd love. There's I'm some. To look have you heard more. his albums where he's bombing on the road? Yeah, that's oh, always. So funny. He's doing badly, but he's not. But getting he's laughs. hilarious throughout to me. Like he bombed so gracefully. That's a skill, bombing yeah, gracefully, not caring, but not caring and still being funny. Yeah, and who's not, great at that? Who? Norm. Yeah. Norm can kill, but if the crowd has turned on him, he's not going to try to win them back. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to keep going through this, and <laughs> if you want to enjoy it, you can. It's like he doesn't care. It's so fucking great. He's got one gear and he's sticking with it. Mm-hmm. But he's great, obviously. Yeah. So anyway, with Tarantino, it's like let's Jackie get Brown to might be too. Jackie Brown was great. Well, let's let's listen that we know. Obviously, Reservoir Dogs was first. That was a great movie. It was a great movie. But that was, he wrote True Romance. He wrote True Romance, which was really good. Great movie. Great dialogue. Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. That the fucking um, scene about the eggplant, dude. It's. I mean, it's so dark, but it's darkly funny. You see those things, and it's kind of like, remember Goodfellas where they're talking, but they're like, we weren't talking about what we were talking about. We were talking about how, like, I know so-and-so's been killed. Am I going to, if you're going to kill me next? Remember that at the diner? Right. And he's like, the subtext is, are you trying to kill me? But they're like, hey, how's it going? How's the wife? Oh, good. Right. Staring at each other. It's shit that, like, doesn't advance the plot as much as it, like, sets the tone. And Tarantino's so good at that. That eggplant thing is really, like, you're going to kill me. I know you're going to kill me. Yeah. And, and from his point of view, it was like, I need information from you. And then it's that eggplant story. It's just like, 
I'm not giving it to you. And he just, he's telling my, Mackie, who is, thinks Tarantino is overrated, will say wow. that he thinks his dialogue is showing off sometimes. And, and, and what you're saying, like it doesn't advance the plot always, that's what Mackie's qualm is with it. But I think it makes it rich and real. I, I agree with you. I'm a big fan. Yeah, that, that, that quarter pounder with cheese, they call it the Royale with cheese, Funny. whatever. It's just like, you're like, and then you're like, well, you're going to kill somebody? <laughs> like, I love the like, dialogue between, between Uma and Travolta when they're just kind of flirting, but then, but then she's like, are you the type of person that, uh, that waits to talk? Are you the type of person that listens? Yeah. Just lines like that are really, they're like great one-liners. Yeah. I think he wrote, or maybe he was, it was his dialogue, Tarantino, in some other movie about, did you ever see the one about... Um, I wasn't about yeah. It was about Star Wars. You ever really? see that? No. And it was about how uh, when they blew up the fucking Death Star, um, they had to, you know, whatever. But then they blew up the other Death Star was under construction. But it was like, who was there? Just construction workers. Those weren't <laughs> evil people. They were just construction workers. <laughs> That's funny. And you're killing all these construction workers who were just there on a fucking job. They were not the fucking Imperial. That's like a Comic Con stand up bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> he's so into that shit though. <laughs> I like. Um, well, do he wrote? They say he wrote Natural Born Killers, I believe, but then I think he wasn't happy with how it turned out, so it turned into a story credit. That's crazy because it's such a good movie. Dangerfield in Natural Born Killers is gold. I, I took that in a in a film class in college that they taught. It was like American films, and so Oliver Stone was some of, one of the main directors. What a cool movie to dissect. Uh-huh. And the TA was like, he actually saw this in the movie theater, and he said in his screening, he goes, not in others, but in his screening, people were laughing when he was doing that, when the Dangerfield scene came on. It's funny. It's funny, but only because it's Dangerfield. Sure. There's no funny dialogue in there. If not for Dangerfield, and they shoot. There's it a couple them. one-liners though. He does a does do does a couple. He? he does a couple shticky like one-liners. But yeah. The, but yeah, I mean, he's basically saying things like I'm beating my daughter and fucking. And there's a laugh track. Yeah, exactly. There's a laugh track. <laughs> the same thing happened actually. Now that I think about it, with uh, John Lovitz in Happiness. I never saw Happiness. Oh, I've been told that. I've been told yeah, to but see his, it. his scene is super dark and sad, because, but because it's love, it's you're like, ha, 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 but nothing he's saying is funny. It's just really sad shit about life. Yeah. Some comics play it dark, but Dangerfield just played at Dangerfield. Yeah. I mean, it was dark, but he was, he was being kind of silly. Yeah. He did. Have, I think he had no other gear. Yeah. They said it when he was doing, um, the golf movie. Caddyshack. Yeah. That he was getting mad because like no one's laughing and they had to be like, oh yeah, man, it's, they, it's, we're going to ruin the take if the camera guys laugh. He goes, oh, I don't know. No, but I can see that. I, that makes sense to me though. Uh-huh. I love, dude, Back to School is probably the funniest. Oh my God. Like start to finish, it might be the funniest movie. It's great. What a great use of Kinnison. The line, just his wife leaves him and his reaction is just one-liners where she's like, you're impossible. He goes, oh yeah, and you're easy. <laughs> like, yeah, putting his normal shit into, into like acting. It's so, it's just oh, yeah, so yeah, good. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> she's a trophy wife, so it doesn't really give a fuck. Oh, it's, it's such a funny scene. So Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, I'm doing the yeah. self-memories, then where did he go? Was Kill Bill next? Well, he's got, this will be nine slash ten, so not, so let's say Kill Bill next. Mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards. No, Kill Bill 2. I'm counting that as one. I okay. I think he counts it as one, too. Okay. You ever see it unedited? I didn't see it all. No, I've seen that. I saw them separately. They showed him at the uh, New Beverly in LA. It's one of the, those Tarantino. I think he might have bought it, actually. They would just have double features for $7. It would be like Goonies and Ghostbusters. Oh, that's fun. Or two from a director or two from an actor. You ever you know? rewatch Goonies? 
Yeah, I just watched it. They try to make you cry like 10 times in the end. That's like such an 80s movie thing where they're like, we saved the house. And you're like, just fucking end the movie. You, you, it was like, because you, cause you, you break down just out of formula at a certain yeah. point and it's so annoying. It's so annoying when they, when they make you do it. Like, you're not earning this. You're just playing the music. They didn't earn it at all. But I fucking tear up. I hate it. Beautiful Mind had me do that. At the end, so he everyone stands up in class for him. The music's playing, and I'm crying. But I'm like, none Is that of this. Russell, I don't think I saw that. It was, but like nothing, none of this was achieved from his struggle. It was achieved before, when he was still a teenager. They just discovered his formula oh, dude, way later. And me. I'm crying, and I fucking took my fucking soda and I threw it down. <laughs> and I went out and played video games. But I'm like, I'm not even into this, but you're making me cry. You went right back to repress. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Bury it. <laughs> Uh, so Kill Bill, Glorious Bastards. Kill Bill is great. Yeah, Kill Bill was goddamn fucking. Because ha- the first half we're doing is one movie. The first half is so the anime thing was cool. Anime, it was like, and you didn't notice after a minute that it was anime. You noticed when it started, and then you're like, this is just a storyline. And um, anime. Lucy Liu is an awesome villain. It, it was just a, I mean, there's the shots are so cool, the music's so cool. And yeah. then part two is like more dialogue heavy and the, di- and the dialogue is cool. And you really get into it. The acting was fucking great. Yeah. Even I'm Buck and I like to fuck that guy. Yeah. You know, he drove around, you know, that pussy wagon. Yeah. Tarantino was driving that around LA. I heard that. For a while. That's awesome. Yeah. Just. I actually can't tell if that, if it wasn't Tarantino, it would not be awesome. Right. But it's awesome. Good to Tim. Part of me thinks like you're a dork. But then I'm like, but man, your fucking directing is so good. Yeah, you get away with more. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Michael Madison, um, that he was a good villain in that. Uh-huh. Daryl Hannah's really hot. Michael Madison sort of accepted that he did shit wrong and someone needs to get revenge. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. What a fucking good movie. Yeah, it's a great, what great. What Glorious Bastards. Glorious Bastards. My critique of the Glorious Bastards, which I think is a really good movie, my critique is not enough of the Bastards. Right, not a, I, like that first scene where Brad Pitt is scalping Nazis. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And then it, it became more about Christoph Waltz, who was great in it. But I just wanted more of the bastards. Yeah, that was one of those where I'm like, I had a daydream of like, since I go into show business, you know, I'm just like, I want to be in a Tarantino movie. And I'm like, but I don't know how I'm gonna you know, kill Bill. There's no place for me. Maybe, maybe I don't know, like a dude. Part, but you could have been, you could have been the guy on, who who shows up when she's in a coma and tries to fuck tries her. To fuck. I'm, I'm Buck. I'm like, <laughs> That's Buck. Yeah. yeah. But when Dan Mintz and fucking BJ Novak were in the Bastards of Jewish, you could have been in that. And I'm like, oh, it's just going to pass me by. I'm never going to get a chance. Those, that was my dream, and those guys got it. God, how cool. That, I mean, Eli Roth is the bear Jew. What a cool character. What a cool. A guy who just breaks Nazis' faces. Just loves it. Oh, God, you're right. Sam Levine was in it. They, they really Jewed it up. Yeah. And so it's you would have like, been you would have worked left. as one of the bastards. Oh, I would have loved it too. Because I can see because you I could see you having a mean side like that with like a baseball bat or something uh-huh. cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are like kind of like the punk rock of comedy in New York. I mean the penis stuff at Skankfest, the uh, the just shaving <laughs> part of your head. Oh yeah, you're like the, you're like the Gigi Allen of stand up comic. <laughs> <laughs> I loved leaving like dumps. I was at uh, Norman's house the other day. You left a dump? <laughs> For sure, dude. Always leave a dump at somebody's house. That is pretty funny. They'll find it later, too. They won't even find it right away. And then, like, your lady will get a text, like, fuck off. And you're like, Damn. Oh, nice. You saw it. Uh, I'm excited for this, though. I'm really excited. Even in, okay. So I he, saw Django with Norman. Did you really? Yeah. And uh, that was fun. Django was fun. I thought Django was, Inglorious Bastards, done slightly worse. 
Oh, wow. All the emotional moments I, were similar, but just not quite there. I might, I could almost argue the opposite. I don't know. I, cause I loved Leo was a fun villain. Samuel Jackson he was, was fun. Samuel Jackson was so fucking funny uh-huh. in that As movie. Sell out black. Oh my God. Oh it was my God, so what a funny. Character. And he writ way into it. He was, dude, and Leo was great in that movie. Yeah. And, but, but, but then to argue, so was Christoph Waltz. He was a great villain too. Yeah. In, um, in, uh, just the one scene was in Inglorious Bastards when he comes back in. She's an adult now. And he's talking about milk and drinking the milk. And you're like, fuck, does he know? And you're really like torn, like, does he know? Is he going to yeah. fucking snap her fucking neck? And it's so tense, you know? There and were so many tense he scenes. He slowly puts the milk down and it's like, and she's fucking worried the whole time. So the parallel scene to Django was um, Jamie Foxx with his gun under the table. The, the bride comes out, you know, and then he's like, oh, am I, do they know? Am I going to have to shoot? But it was just so sudden and quick that I'm like, it just didn't get me there emotionally the way that the, same scene did in Inglorious Bastards. I agree with you that the tension in Inglorious Bastards, like the scene in the bar, he milked, he oh milked that. God. That was The crazy. opening scene. The opening scene was brutal. The opening scene is an acting class. That opening scene was so fucking sad, yeah. <laughs> you know? You but, see the guy slowly, he doesn't give too much. He like sweats a little bit and he just kind of glances down. So, so where do you rank them so far? If you have to do an order, Pulp Fiction has got to be one. It's got to be one of all time. I might be. I don't know. Kill Bill and Inglorious Bass, which is so fucking good. I put Jackie Brown. Brown too, man. Really, dude. I love Elmore Leonard's writing. That's just Elmore Leonard writing, man. Like that's it's just good writing. And then also, it's kind of got hard in the end with Robert Forster. So, oh like, yeah, where they kind of have back a, was also really cool. Like that guy's retired. He's bringing him back. So good. And then, I don't know. Yeah, and then... There's that scene, too, where... What's her name? Who's the hot chick with the small boobs? She's always wearing a bikini top. Oh, Bridget Fonda. Yeah. And she's laying there, and it's in the center of a shot. Tarantino's always really good at this. It's in the center of the screen. Yeah. Where she's lying with her feet over the couch on one side and her head over the couch on the other side, and just her tits are in the middle. Yeah. Tits and pussy. And you're like... And they're both looking at her, and like, that's what the focus is. Not her face. She was so sexy in that She was movie. so sexy. And they're like, they both want to fuck her. And then it's just like, she's going to fuck shit up. Yeah. And De Niro gives kind of like a low-key great performance in that movie. Might have been one of his last good performances before he started phoning it in. Before I he guess became so. a human telegraph. I don't know, man. The intern was fire. I don't really? know. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course what? not. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized like, it's oh, no, for sure not. Um, no, Pacino too. It's a bummer. I mean, they're two of the best ever. But that's what we were saying. De Niro's still good at comedy though. Meet the Parents was funny. You know? The Parents was 20 years ago. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. I don't know. It is that same thing of like, do people eventually just start phoning it in? Just because they might just because we think of them as so rich, but their bills might be so insane just being that person that they're like, I guess. But why not do good movies? But if you're De Niro and you tip twenty percent anywhere, you're a piece of shit, right? You know. So, but I mean, like though, but like, why not do good movies in a lot of them? Why not? Why not try real hard? Maybe they just don't believe. I bet they don't believe they're going to be bad. Could be that. I bet they're just like, I mean, maybe maybe Pacino waltzed in a Jack and Jill. Like, I could I could squeeze an Oscar nod out of this. Maybe. <laughs> I, I could fucking, with me attached, maybe. I wonder how many times I see a script and go, all right, that's going to be good. I like that director. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. What's the last good Pacino? It's been a while, dude. Sleepers was good, but that was also 20 plus years ago. That was like 30 years ago, wasn't it? Damn, maybe. Sleepers? How about... The Insider is a good movie with, with Russell Crowe and Pacino. That was a good movie. Yeah. 
De Niro, I can't even think. Pacino doesn't phone in as much as De Niro. De Niro phones it in. I don't know, only. man. What's I feel like De Niro's done more. Oh, he was in Silver Linings Playbook. That was a good movie. Was, was he good in that? Yeah, he was good okay. in that. Okay, so maybe here or there. Yeah. Do you see comics doing that too? I'm not going to ask you to name names, but... Like where they phone it in? Where it's like they reach a certain age in comedy and you're like, I don't think you're trying anymore. I of think course. you're just kind of coasting for of the course, rest of your yeah, career. In every field, sure. Yeah. I mean... I. It's yeah. sad when I see it, especially when it's someone I like really looked up to yeah. before I started or like early my first five years. And then you're like, you see, you're like, fuck. But the commitment can take years off your life. Like like De Niro in the 80s when he was just great and basically method. I mean, Raging Bull and like and all those roles that he was, you know, Cape Fear. These are like yeah. probably those probably were painful movies they to prep for. Tony Soprano had to go to therapy after every season because he was like, I entered into his life and I, I, I can't. I think it, when you are that committed, you yeah. torture yourself, and then, and then maybe you're just like, I want to be happy. <laughs> so that's know. what Tarantino said. I saw him in an interview, and then we'll get out of here. We'll go over there. What time is it? Do you know? I don't have my fucking clock on me. It's 2.58. Okay, perfect. We've got to be there in 30. Um, I can't wait for the previous for this, too. But um, Tarantino, they asked him, just read a quick interview. I didn't read anything about this movie. I just read about like his thing in life. They're like This is either your ninth or tenth movie, depending on if you count Kill Bill's one or two right i think he counts it as one and they're like that's it you just want to do 10 and then be done because that's what he said 10 movies and be over and he goes you have to be thinking non-stop all the time about movies when you're directing movies and it's going to be a great 30-year run in my life but there's other shit i want to do and you just it's i wonder either. what else he wants to do though because maybe even travel the world maybe do something like that because i remember him meeting with brad pitt about inglorious bastards while he was making kill bill like already thinking ahead to the next thing you know what i mean yeah, we take his greatness for granted sometimes. Yeah, maybe he wants to play golf. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he wants to write books. Yeah. But, but, like, it's cool to be able to commit and be like, that's all I'm doing. It is cool. I, I mean, but I also, there's a part of me that thinks, can you really walk away? Can you walk away? So that's what good, you are. You're but it's, direct- like, it's like being Michael Jordan and, and then leaving for a little while, and then you're watching, you're like, well, I'm better than all those dudes. Yeah, I'm still better than them. Right? <laughs> you know, I could be a starter on Toronto, at least. You know? <laughs> but, it, but don't you think he'll look at it that way? Like, he'll, he's such a film snob, and he see, I think he's one of those guys that probably sees every movie. Yeah, I think so. so. Or every big movie, and he'll probably watch a lot of them and be like, this is what the Oscars are, you know what I mean? I, I think he's one of those dudes that, he also is one of those, has he ever really been given an, any th- credit at the Oscars? His first at Pulp Fiction, I remember him winning the award. Okay. I remember seeing it, so I was like... He won for screenplay or for Screenplay, and I remember him accepting and goes, this is because it's Pulp Fiction, Robert Zemeckis. Not Pulp Fiction. Um, uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Yeah. And he goes, and he already knew, you know how they know certain people. He goes, this is going to be the only Oscar win I get tonight, even though, are you crazy giving Forrest Gump yeah. this director over Tarantino for Pulp Fiction? Yeah. One of the best directorial things of all time. The writing was good, but the direction. Yeah. I mean, it's like seven layers. But you know how the Oscars work where it's just like a, it's an IOU one thing. And they, absolutely. And absolutely. I mean, Makeup like, calls. we're talking about Pacino, son of a woman. Like, it's fine. It's like a, that's like exactly. a movie you watch at Thanksgiving and you're like, this is a feel good movie. You know what it is? Movie. The people voting are kind of just dorks who see like four movies a year. Totally. They don't really know anything. Denzel wins right. for training day. It's like, that's Denzel's Denzel best training. role. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. He wasn't even a lead role. He's good in that movie, he's but, it's, but he's almost like, Man on, on Fire. Like this Hurricane? Play, hurricane. There's things where he fucking gave Did it Did he win all. for Glory? He might have won Best Supporting for Glory. I don't think so, because I think 
So maybe well, it was the Civil War one. Yeah. I think he hadn't won a movie yet. He hadn't won the, the. That's why they're all like shitting on it. Like the Oscar so white and but stuff. Awards always suck. I'm dude. like, guys, it's lame. It's been lame. Yeah, award shows suck. They gave it to a beautiful mind over fucking in the bedroom. Leo you know? got it for the Revenant. I don't think that's his best role. It's makeup calls left and right. I think he's way better in Wolf of Wall Street and way better in Revenant's one of those movies that I just like. It, it's just so grueling. It's it's well made, obviously, but like, is it enjoyable at all? It, I'm like, we're watching a dude get fucking pummeled by a bear. This sucks. This kind of sucks. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to this. And I will tell you, I don't know what you've heard. Uh, alternately, it's either a movie about Manson or Manson. the Manson murders was just a setting where it's a movie that has nothing to do with Manson. I never read Helter Skelter. I've, I don't know a lot about Manson. I know ob- the obvious, but I don't know a ton. So maybe that, I don't know if that's going to hurt going I, in. Or He was a mass murderer. <laughs> I don't know. I got he, that. He got people to kill a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I don't know what it's going to be, and I'm interested to find out. Because the previews go either like it's these guys who are like watching, oh, the Manson thing on TV, and then have nothing to do with it. Or yeah. he's a main character, and I don't, I don't really know. I'm also really worried because this is for the first time um, Harvey Weinstein is not attached. And I'm really only a Harvey Weinstein <laughs> fan. <laughs> You're one of the rare producer fans. <laughs> and I really just wanted to. Damn. Um that's got to hurt, man, when you know, if you're Weinstein, like, you know your career is done, and he's just like, oh, I heard there's a really good one. Yeah. It would have been, like, the producer and him. He actually, I mean, I know you've gone through this with, with what's her name. I don't want to get into it, but, like, <laughs> but like um, they asked him to talk about Harvey Weinstein, because, like, you know, your collaborator, eight yeah, movies, of course. you know, your entire career. Will you come out against you know day one? Will you come out against them? And he was it was the best response of any of those things I've seen. What did he say? He goes, I have known this guy and he's been one of my best friends for twenty five years. Yeah, you're hitting me with all this information right now. I need time to process this. I will make a statement when I have had that time. But yeah. this is a lot to handle, and that's bit. I've gone to this guy's house for dinner so many times. Like, I'm not just going to throw out some work. You got to. I thought, some time I thought to Sarah Silverman. I think it was maybe on Stern or something had a really good response to the whole Louis thing, where where she said, you know, there's a reason you don't hire a detective who's too attached to the case to that case. You know what I mean? Like it. it what do you mean? Well, he's he's got he's too connected to it. Who? A detective to a case. So how do you compare that to Louis? Well, that Sarah's very close to him. Oh, right, right, exactly. So, so she's like, I want to see it this way. Well, so, not just I want to see it this way, but I can't possibly see it the same way you see it because I am connected to it. Good. So I think that's an appropriate way to say this hurts, but it's I can't just be as disconnected and, and angry and cancel this person the way you all are canceling him. Yeah, I know him. You guys yeah. just know him as a, as a figurehead. I exactly. know him. He, he represents something to you, whereas I actually know the person... It's, it's, yeah, it's a tough, this turned into a different conversation. (laughs) Anyway, I'm very happy to see this movie. Diaz once told, I was going through one of my fucking many, many e-rages against me, you know? And, um, dude, when I get turned down for something now, like if I go to like hot ones, they were like, no, they don't take you. And Bert was like, why not? I'm like, oh dude, I've done, if somebody doesn't like me, I'm sure I've given them a reason. (laughs) Right. I've done enough shitty things. What is hot ones? Is that the wings thing? Yeah. And I'm like, there's there's probably four or five different things because of that. You'd be a good guest too, because you are you are reckless. I'm reckless, and I love hot food. Yeah, 
Yeah. That hot, though? And I'll let them film my shit that I take right afterwards, which no one else will do. Um, my bloody fucking hot one shit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're good. You know I'm like, no, film it. You fucking film it. Uh, anyway, Diaz, they were all talking about, like, is Ari wrong or is Ari right in this? And Diaz was like, he's our friend. That's And like, yeah, but he was wrong. He's like, who cares? He's our friend. That's the end of the story. When somebody's your friend, you just defend them. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're wrong. Let them be wrong, but you're still, you're still your friend. You could also say they're wrong, but he's our friend. I mean, yeah, exactly. you, you could say, I disagree with this, but I love him. I mean, there, there's... Yeah. I saw Louie talking about Conan after the fucking Tonight Show stuff happened. Yeah. And he goes, hey, Conan's my friend. He gave me a, a job, but like, he's wrong in this. The Tonight Show doesn't matter. That's, I don't it's think there's any wrong answer as long as you don't just fucking throw your yeah, friend under like, the bus. Yeah, it's like, fuck him. I'm done with him. You don't say that. Yeah. But it's... anything else, yeah. Yeah. Well... This did take a turn. Look, Harvey Weinstein's a close personal friend of mine. So this <laughs> is true. I, no, I have no choice but to support him and Israel. Um, let's see this movie, man. I'm pumped, dude. I'm really pumped. It was one I, I walked by Village Cinema East. That's where we're going. Yeah. And it said that in 70 millimeters. And I saw a taxi driver there in 70 millimeter. It was cool and grainy. And you don't know the difference yet? It's just grainier. Oh, okay. It's kind of like listening to an old album, old comedy ah. album. Taxi driver in theaters would be a great one to it's see. It's so slow. But that's kind of the beauty are of it. So though. slow. It's seventies. It's in the seven. Cinema of loneliness period. It's called right. You're just it? driving a bunch. Like it's, the movie, the conversation. It's like that. Uh-huh. That's a. You're that's just a cool there playing one. sax for a while. But anyway, I passed by. And it's a seventy millimeter. And I was like, no, it's the new. Tar- I want to see this in a big. Screen. I think I saw someone post about it. It's the only way to see a Tarantino movie. And I was like, all right. So when you said that, I pretended to know what you were talking about. Yeah. But then I was like, yeah, I was the same. I was like, actually, no, I don't know if this is a big special effects movie. This, is, this seems like one that would be cool to see in like grainy. I don't know if it's. Oh, that's another one. Um, Death Pool and whatever. I didn't see either. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I saw that in theaters. And did you like them? It's great. Yeah, it was great. In I, I, gotta, I haven't seen that. Not Hateful my Eight. favorite. Here, okay, so here after Hateful Eight, it was so slow. That's what I heard. And once I missed it in theaters, I lost the... Because he's so Passion good. I, yeah. yeah. It was so slow. And people were like, it was sucked. It was awful. And I'm like... A week later, we were talking about scenes and stuff. And I'm like, guys, we're still... Yes, it was super slow. And it's probably a response to like whatever, critique or something. But like, we're still talking about this movie a week later. I know. You don't talk about... It, the shittiest Tarantino movie is still a Tarantino movie and not a movie. Yeah. No, that's how I felt about Woody Allen movies. Even when he'd miss, I'd still kind of be... Interesting stuff in there. Yeah, you know, there's a few that are bad, but when you make thirty or forty movies or whatever he's made, that's gonna happen. Who's that white dude who played with a uh, with with uh, Randy Moss in basketball in high school? Jason Williams. Jason Williams. Even if he had a, seven turnovers, you know, six points, two assists, you're like one of those assists. One of the best assists <laughs> you've so ever true. seen in your life. I I met him and he's jacked now. Is he really? He's got like huge huge arms now. He's he just seems like a. He seemed like a really cool dude. He seemed like a West Virginia redneck who was like, you like going some drinks? And he goes, yeah, of course I do. He was that dude that just practiced ball handling all day. So God everyone's damn. practicing jump shots. He didn't have a jump shot. Till, at all. But when in his last couple, when he won the ring with Miami, he could shoot threes. Like, at the end, yeah. But not until, he was garbage shooter wow. until the very end. What a highlight reel, though. He was, dude, there's that famous play where he just does the fake and then does the... Uh, on, it's on Gary Payton, who's like, and even Gary the Payton. Glove. He was, the glove. His nickname was his defense. And even Gary Payton had a moment where he was like, damn. <laughs> when, when Gary, he was like the biggest shit talker, too. So when Gary uh-huh. Payton like gave a moment, was like, that was cool. Like, uh-huh. I met this basketball player once, this guy, David Blue, uh, and he's a huge in Israel. He's a huge Israeli player, but he only did one summer league um, 
in the NBA with the Kings and he got cut and he said in summer league, he guarded Kobe and Kobe, he boxed Kobe out and got him right at the angle that he threw him on his ass. And then Kobe, when they're running up court together, Kobe said to him, you better net that, better not let that shit happen ever again. And he had a moment where he thought that was fucking cool. And he's like, and that's how I knew I'd never make the NBA. <laughs> because I thought it was so it. cool that Kobe chewed me out. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So Let's it's his this. movie. The preview should be fucking cool. He Why? always puts it. He puts an old either fake preview that's right or like shit from the 70s some grindhouse movie preview from the I just 70s really, so I haven't seen a Tarantino movie in theater since Django that means oh hell yeah so dude. this is exciting it's gonna be fun as shit alright alright load up guns bring your friends it's fun to lose and to protect she's overboard and self-assured <laughs> you could see it again. Is that what you're saying? It was fun. It was fucking fun. It was it was quick and breezy, and uh, like we were talking on the way back, it's like Tarantino, man. He's so he makes violence 
so satisfying and just dude okay just so you know you can ruin anything oh, okay there's no like if you haven't seen it fuck that should we say that I, no in the intro i'd say like okay see this first or if you're never gonna see it then join in but yeah i mean just yeah, when he threw that can at that chick's fucking face to make violence against women okay, <laughs> it takes a very reasonable scene. Didn't he do that before with what's his name? With the narrator of this. Who was, was narrating it? The dude who was like, he can't work on my movie. My wife hates him. Oh, Kirk, uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah. No, Russell. Yeah. yeah, he was narrating. I noticed yeah. after a while. I was like, oh, yeah. But when he fucking headbutted, what's her name in the face? In during, uh, oh, Hateful Eight. I didn't see, see it. That? He headbutts this chick in the face. I think the redhead chick, actually. <laughs> Who's the redhead chick? But to make the most like deplorable thing yeah. just no, is I like... <laughs> and you're like, you just, he builds it to where you're like, I fucking hate this girl a little bit. Well, they're murderers, these women. So it's like they were trying to murder them. They broke into his home. To murder them all. And then the call... I mean, and then that, of course, that callback with the flamethrower with Leo. <laughs> so it's great. like, God that damn. Because so you didn't see it coming at all. He like had the flight door <laughs> and it's done. And you're like, oh, you have this? You have to be a great filmmaker and you have to build up a lot of goodwill to make you like really feel like, yes, as someone flamethrowers a woman. Like you really <laughs> have to. Real crisp. <laughs> Why didn't you go back in the water? Too? <laughs> it was. It was really it interesting was and weird. When it ended, tell me how you felt. I was just like, oh, what was this story? There was no real story. Yeah. You know? It yeah, was it was more like that's setting it up, and then it's just it's over now. It was like themes, and then a thing kind of happened. Yeah, this guy's gonna have to quit. He okay takes his job, which is a step down in Italy, and it's just like, oh, uh, it's kind of the end of the this guy's road now. I don't know. I don't yeah, it's kind of like just a story about friendship, and uh, then at the end that ha- like you know something's coming with that group. Obviously, because of the whole Sharon Tate thing, and then of course, but the revisionist, like what you said, the revisionist history of it, you know, right? They're like, uh, um, this is like, no, that's not that's not her house. She's got to go kill her now. What? Then they're going to the wrong place. Yeah, I was, I, I thought they were going to kill her first, and then that was going to happen. I didn't expect that. And yeah. also the fact that she comes in pregnant, and you know that's how she died. Was and, that what it was? was yeah. She was pregnant when I'm they... pretty sure that's how she died in real life. And in the real story, by the way, the real house is right near David Taylor's house. It's, it's, he, he lives in Koreatown. They know oh, okay. where that house is where Sharon Tate got killed. It's not in the hills like that. Okay. If I'm not wrong. But the real story was, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't and know the real story. They were like, that guy lives there, kill everybody in the house, and he had just sold it, but but Charlie Man- Charles Manson didn't know any of that. They just killed the wrong people. I didn't know that, but fuck. So that led to Polanski being uh, insane, right? I mean, he, he... Yeah, it was so weird. They showed him just as a regular sort of... In a weird-ass Austin Powers outfit? That Austin Powers That was outfit. terrible. Is that how he dressed? I don't know enough about Polanski. But, I mean, it was the late 60s. It's so weird because now you look at it, and maybe this is the same thing with him fucking that fourteen-year-old. <laughs> like it was a different time. Uh, people dressed like that. People fucked young women. But sometimes people just say it was a different time, and, you're, and there were still people back then who were like, "You can't fuck sixteen-year-olds." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fourteen, even then, like, no. Nah, nah, I mean, Brad Pitt then. turned down some seventeen-year-old. Exactly. Uh, I like that he said poontang. You don't hear the word poontang enough. No, that was it's very a good out of place too. I thought that was from the sixties. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, "That seems modern." Modern, though, of like when people were saying "boy." Like right around that era <laughs> what's up <laughs> <laughs> but no but then he gives her the ride she that was a tense scene when they're in um 
when he, he tur- when he turns around and they're all just staring, lined up, a, yeah. a row there and a row in the middle. Yeah. He turns around and you can see him just like, fuck. Yeah. And then when he gets back to the car and there's a knife in it, and he's like, it's skin. He looks at all of them and it's like, you could tell, it's like, they outnumber me by too much. I know. Luckily, most are women. Most are women. What women are satisfied living like that? I've not met any women. They're like they're like twelve. You'll live like fourteen of you or fifteen of you, and you'll just live and just eating cookies all day and like stealing pickles out of the dumpster. I've never met a woman who who would be satisfied like that. No, it's not crazy. at all. <laughs> not at all. Why are we getting a new TV, Charles? <laughs> that the dude just, so fucking hot though. Those chicks. I know, especially that one and. I mean, Margot Robbie is gorgeous. Dude, when she, she's standing there in the doorway, yeah, you're just like, what the fuck? I know. It makes no sense. Even pregnant, you're is. like, she is perfect. The pregnancy didn't make sense to me because I'm like, you just put a bubble inside of her shirt. There's no way. <laughs> you're well, still fucking perfectly thin. You he, still aren't as big as Lena Dunham. <laughs> I thought Lena like, Dunham was an old woman. She did. You were like, old. that's Lena Dunham. I'm like, that's like an old lady. Yeah. As some old lady is like coughing up a lung next to us in the theater. Dude, that was great. That dude and the lady. The dude kept looking at his flip phone. Yeah. Because you see a light and you'll turn and, light, and then it was like, flip What phone old light. people break out? It's rude to break out your phone in the theater. It's I, rude for anybody. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's like, by the way, flip phone. Who's reaching you on flip phone? It's just text and call. So there's no like, oh, let me, let me feel the need to check my Instagram. There's none of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not cool. He kept coughing would, up so loud. And, she, and he was coughing in the scene where Leo is like coughing yeah. up too. <laughs> so I'm like, is this surround sound? That was a funny scene too with, uh, dude, so many good minor roles. Damian Lewis from uh, Billions is Steve McQueen. Who's Damian Lewis? Uh, from, from Billions, the main redhead. He was Steve McQueen in uh, the beginning. The redhead from the, from the Showtime show. Yeah. The and then, um, what was the other one? What was the other movie he was, show he was in? When he first kind of oh, launched. Oh, uh, Homeland. Homeland. God damn, that was good. Timothy Oliphant. Timothy, playing exactly what you said. Who he always plays. He's always that kind of Stoic, badass. badass, but all good, you know. A lot of good cameos. Yeah, even Kirk Douglas. And yeah. his wife in that, Zoe, whatever her name is, was the stunt lady from uh, Death Wish. Or Death Car. Oh, I, see, I grind, didn't see that one either. Whatever Grindhouse was. I didn't see that one. But he like really featured her, that girl Zoe. A woman Zoe in that and he was like she's one of my favorite stunt like I think in interviews he's like she's one of my favorite stunt people and he made her like a main character playing a stunt person oh that's pretty cool yeah yeah that was a good a lot of just a lot really of good, good cameos and fucking Cape Berlant Cape Berlant that was pretty cool it's cool to see a comedian in a Tarantino uh-huh. movie playing it not that not playing tr- pretty much straight yeah, scene, she let the scene. But that was kind like of breathe. she was kind of a funny deadpan yeah, performer in it though. Like she wasn't hamming it up, is what I'm saying. No, like no. She let the scene like be the scene. Yeah, that her was good. and the old man. That was were that how movies just were back in the day? Like some guy in a suit would greet you and be like, "Thank you for coming to a movie." Now you go in, it's like some like pissed off teenager. Yeah, who like scans yeah. your suit? Ugh, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just here to give you a job. <laughs> but back then, it was a guy in like a suit who was like grateful that you were there. Took pride in like we show good movies here. The Bruin, by the way. So it's have you ever been there at UCLA? No. Right off UCLA campus. No, oh, that's why they call it the Bruin because of UCLA. It's the Bruin, and then right across is even a bigger theater. And the, across from that one was where they showed Star Wars. That's where me and my roommate we had just moved there. Episode one, you know. Yeah. And we're like, hey, can we get uh, two tickets to Star Wars for six o'clock? And they were like, it's been sold out for a month and a half. Like, I'm like, oh, all right. Episode one? Yeah. It was like, this is the, they've been waiting for the Star Wars for 20 years. So much anticipation for I that know. movie. 
What a letdown. It was such a... Jar Jar Binks? Jar Jar Binks. That was a bitch. He sucked. You can't just put that... Like, you can't just have, like, a serious story and have that ass clown and that... Is it you're talking about murder? (laughs) Dude, whenever... You're like, this is the least funny character. And, like, he's hateable now. In movie history. He's one of the most hateable. Why won't he die? And, like, he survived. Like, no, man. (laughs) None of us wanted that. Um... Yeah, that was... Wait, what else were we talking about? We were talking about something else. Oh, so the Bruin. I saw yeah. Election there. It's this great... Election? Movie. Uh-huh. Great movie. Great. It's got one, one of my theater. favorite movies. That's it. Just one screen. And it's massive and it kind of wraps around a little bit. There's also a cookie place, like three doors down, that has cookie sandwiches with ice cream. But like, yeah, that's a great theater if you're ever there. All right. The Bruin. The Bruin, yeah. Um, how much of old, like, how much of Hollywood did you recognize? You recognized... Musso and Frank's. I've never been there. Oh, it's, it's like my late night spot. I didn't age, my, my agent took me there once. He was like, you're going to love this. It's like very up your alley. And I was like, all right. So we just, the, dude, the bartenders, they were all in like red suits. They like know how to make a stiff drink. They kind of make you like a, a Manhattan, but then they'll give you like a separate container. So last time I was in LA, like after Conan, I went there with Colin Smith and my cousin. Really? And it was, it was fun as hell. Oh, that's cool. Ordered steaks, got, uh... Manhattan's is the best. That seems like a classic place. It's classic. It's like oh, I, I love it. Musso and Frank's is, is, and they sat they sat in the exact same two seats that Colin and I sat in last time we were there, which was satisfying. Really? Yeah, Leo and Pitt. <laughs> yeah, immediately on the inside, they didn't show the outside. You're like Musso and Frank's. I'm like, does it look like that? And they show the outside. Yeah. You know and Pacino was in that scene. Right as we're saying, when's the last good movie Pacino's been yeah, in? Yeah, oh He's yeah, Pacino was in it. I had no idea. <laughs> he was pretty good. He was good. Did not seem off or like he phoned it in? No, he was He was funny. You can't phone in a Tarantino role. You really any. can't. It'd be like, what are you doing? It's just, it would be so rude. Did you ever see the uh, Apocalypse Now documentary? No, I heard it's great. It's great, but he talks about the, the trouble he has to deal with with the fat guy. What's his name? Um, Marlon, Marlon Brando Marlon Brando where he's yeah. like, we only got him for three days and he showed up and he goes oh, I gotta learn my lines like we only have you for three days <laughs> you're the best ever what? and you didn't learn your lines I'm, I'm shelling out my own money for this <laughs> do you want scotch or anything Um, I could do one yeah okay let's do I mean we should do a podcast scotch yeah a podcast scotch should we pause this pause it yeah this is my favorite dude it's so it? fucking peaty oh I'm excited to try it I love peaty scotch oh, I, love, I brought some ice cubes if you want I'm excited I'll take a, oh you got this I got those too I got this the circle. round ice cube makers it's yeah. so fucking cool such a game changer it's, it makes you seem so adult well it makes you feel like you're like it feels like more of a treat yeah you also right. feel like a, like a cool like bachelor or something it's I don't like know. in a fucking ice cube tray <laughs> like I regular ice cube from the freezer it's like this is like ooh upscale well they have it at bars and you're like well, why don't I do that it's awesome they had it at the old stand that's right. The big square ones. And that's when I was like, no, I think I will have it. I, normally I'm like, nah, but I'm like. I normally don't actually pull the trigger and stuff like that off Amazon, but it's like, I, with alcohol, like I also have badass bitters at home. I got like black cherry bitters. Yeah, go for it. It's a nice. Uh, oh, do you really? Yeah, it's pretty nice. Go for it. Make a nice little Manhattan. Cheers, dude. Cheers. Yeah, this is my favorite. Holy shit. What do you think? I mean,. You've, now your breath already smells like you've been drinking all day off that one sip. This is like, hold on, this is like an experience. I feel like a douche in Sideways right now, but <laughs> I also, <laughs> I really do like PD Scotch. It's kind of like, you kind of feel it slowly go down, and then, uh, yeah, it's smoky. It's like a Lagavulin or something, right? Or like mm-hmm. a, what's the other one? that uh, Freud, maybe? Yeah, that's what Michelle Wolf loves. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, that's her Scotch. Um, yeah, it's like... It warms you too. It's like bacony almost. It's almost. It, yeah. it tastes like fucking yeah, like a roast. 
I must sound like the biggest douche right now. Like, 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 because <laughs> also, but it's it better because you don't know the terms. You're not like, is this Ari's podcast or Scotch Spectator? <laughs> I'm the worst. Kaolile. I've never you heard find of it. it. A few places, but like, damn. Yeah. I've been a big, I've been a, a big Negroni boy this summer, man. Oh, really? I've been on a Negroni kick all summer. That's good because last season was a season of the spritz. Last well, year, I did it with you a couple of times. But I was never. I only did the spritz with you and Michelle. That was Michelle loved it, dude. I, got, I went and to Liz from the cellar and Liz. Yeah, yeah. we all got into it. I yeah. had just gotten it in like Croatia and come back, and she was like, "Spritz, I'm like, oh, we're doing spritzes? Hell yes!" <laughs> in pint glasses? Yeah. No, in Austria the year before. Yeah, we're just like fill it up. And then one time they didn't give me a, a fucking uh, a, um, a peel. Yeah, and I was like, "No peel." I was like, "What's the difference?" I'm like, "Oh no, I mean, if you don't respect me in my comedy and don't value my what I add here to the cellar, then I get it. If you want to shit on my face, but it seems like if I'm a valued member here, you- we deserve the peel. We deserve the peel, and we deserve the peel. And also, like, I re- I get so happy when I watch them peel it and then like roll it around the glass. Mm-hmm. A good cocktail is important. Yeah. Um. Oh, so I was in Sacramento, and I was like, uh, "They were like- shady lady." Bar in Sacramento called the Shady Lady. No, it'll be your favorite bar next time you go. Really? It it looks like it's out of the movie L.A. Confidential. There's like a weird band playing, but they're like from the 40s. It's it's like prohibitionary style ish. Really? Yeah, it's really you'll love it. Oh, it's Shady Lady. Shady Lady, dude. Oh, that sounds great. (laughs) I knew I was talking to the club. That's punchline of like people's drinks and stuff like that, and writers. And they're like, uh, "Oh, Michelle had a had a writer." I'm like, "Really?" Because I can never know if people are gonna like change or if the writer is like like rogan's writer is inherited from kevin james like here's white wine he's like i never asked for white wine that's kevin james's wow yeah it's like but it's like white wine i don't know that's what he wants that's a weird i mean no judgment but it's just it's a weird order (laughs) weird one um but they're like yeah michelle had a writer what was it It just type of alcohol i'm like can i guess like you can try i'm like aperol spritz i'm like what how did you know that? <laughs> that's a great writer uh-huh. and she always brings like a fun open like greg stone or jared free someone, so like, like, someone that'll be fun with. to drink with mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that is good scotch tequila like something that you can drink straight is, is like a treat though i love a cocktail but it things that i'm always make it in your all we have to do is pour this over ice i'll make I'll make a Manhattan here and there on the road. It's fun as hell. Will you really? Oh yeah. Sometimes I'll like want to make it myself in the green room. No, I'll go behind the bar bar. and say, "Can I just make it?" How do you make a Manhattan? Just some sweet vermouth, some bourbon, uh, some bitters. You shake it up, or you could just stir it, you know. And uh, and some people put a maraschino cherry. Sometimes they have one of those like dark cherries in there. Amarino cherries. uh, Great. What is it? I thought it was maraschino. Maraschino is the lighter one. Amarino is like the the thick. That's the one I like. Yeah. And then what's the uh, uh, and then you know some people will do the shaved lime too, which I, I mean, not lime uh, orange. Hmm. I just went to Marseille, Marseilles. I don't know bar it. in Barcelona. Oh, I shouldn't know it. No, yeah, <laughs> but it, dude, all is absinthe, and it's the same shit that with like little cherries and stuff. It's like old as fuck, dude. Hemingway used to go there, but like it's not even about that. <laughs> By the way, that that could work for any bar ever. I know exactly. <laughs> it's just like the the bottles on the walls are from then, yeah, and before that. So you're like, wait, when is Bacardi? That's not a label for Bacardi, and it's so dusty and fucking cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, anything and, Hemingway used to do is pretty. Except kill yourself. It's pretty cool. <laughs> even that. It's even cool. Pretty, it's a cool way to go. <laughs> it is a cool. If way. If you're like, how did Hemingway go? Uh, uh, old age or kill yourself? What's cool? What's a cooler ending to that? He's I love either that, way. I love that scene in Sideways when when uh, Paul Giamatti's just saying like, I'm not even significant enough to kill myself yet. It won't mean anything. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's such a relatable mm-hmm. <laughs> to anyone pursuing 
writing or anything like that. Yeah, like you got to do some. I had a fight with my with my agent Ed Brooke about um it's nothing. I don't even know what that fight <laughs> um about getting arrested for marijuana because I was smuggling it somewhere. And he goes, "Dude, you're not big enough to do this." This was six, seven years ago. Eight years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "That's a hilarious objection." I, yeah, because I was like, "Doug Benson, he, if he gets arrested, it'll help him." He goes, "You're not Doug Benson. You don't yeah. have the name he has." Like it'll just hold you back. All all that'll get out is a club will be like he canceled last minute because he's right. fucking doing drugs. And then like three years ago, I was like, "Hey, dude, remember when we talked about that?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I'm like, am I at the point now where it'll help me overall?" He goes, "Yes, I <laughs> yeah, don't get arrested, but yeah, it'll probably it'll help you in the long run if you get arrested for weed." That is so funny to be an entertainer. It really just gives you credibility amongst your fans you're like he's still one of us mm-hmm. you ever hear jeff die's story on my show no about stealing um vanderjack's jersey from vanderjack's in marco island uh off the wall stole it his fucking um pro bowl jersey Florida? yeah oh, i fucking hate i hate is that off the hook comedy club i think that's what it is yeah i bombed to the, at that club i bombed like i've never bombed in my career really it was excruciating it was one of the longest weeks of my life i dude one of the best points is i was bitching on social media every show i was like i've never bombed like this like blah blah blah. and uh mika zabinajad from the new york rangers sends me a dm and says are you okay buddy how did you know him he just msg show he just i don't know how i knew him to be honest he never did the show but i just i saw he followed me i was like fucking mika zabinajad so i yeah so i've obviously followed back i was like it's mika zabinajad man so he was like, are you okay? They were on like a losing streak. This guy's getting like pounded on the ice. And he's like, are you okay in Naples? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm really not. And uh, dude, I fucking, every show I got I bombed. It was the worst weekend. That's what old people are like eating their dinners though, right? Yeah. I'd, I swear, to, I, I have a bit about this too, but I, I did at one point say, so I'm a New York Jew on stage and someone goes, ugh, no. <laughs> I was like, come on. It was the longest week. It was painful. And, uh, it was like the people think it's like a really it's a nice city I guess but it's nice in the way that like Trump would design a city to be nice it's mm. like it's waspy as fuck it's got no heart and soul like there are cities in Florida that really have like heart like I feel like Miami there's like a heartbeat to Miami like even Tampa I have like great times in Tampa Tampa's real people are smoking cigars and wearing like golf outfits at I kind of I got a lot of love for Tampa but like then you go to places like Naples I'm like I don't get it I don't I really don't understand it yeah it's like false it's like built on something that's not real. It's like Times Square. Yes. We're like, nothing yes. here is from here. It's like Times Square of Florida. Yeah. I, I, I cut off your Jeff Dye story, though. Oh. So Vander Jack was like, they found out that it was Dye. The was kicker? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The one who's like, idiot kicker. Yeah. And so. Um, and Jeff stole it. Yeah. And he goes, get it back or we'll call the cops. And Jeff's response, because of the comic, is like, tell you what, you can call the cops if you want, but I'll burn that fucking jersey if you do. He goes, I don't care. I'll do a month in jail. Do you don't think that'll hurt my career? It won't. So it's up to you. Let's negotiate something. But if you call the cops, you're never seeing that jersey again. <laughs> it's and like the movie like, Ransom. Fuck. This is like, great. Fuck. Yeah, but it's like that comedian thing. Like I got nothing, I really have nothing to lose. I respect that. I respect yeah. Jeff for that. Oh yeah. Dude, he told us that story in at Bats. We were on the same team. Sean Kemp's kids. Oh, you would like this. Ooh. That was our team name, Sean Kemp's kids. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's a bunch of dudes from Seattle. Uh, you got to come on me and Stav's basketball. No, I want to. It's so fun. What's it called? Pod don't lie. Pod don't lie. It's the dumb. It, every episode, Stav has to work in how he wants to fuck Genie Buzz. <laughs> it's a huge part of the podcast now. And I'm like, this is going to only hurt us. This is not going to help us. <laughs> I got a bus. She's a lovely we'll save woman it for your podcast. <laughs> um, she's a lovely woman. Yeah, whatever. She I'm must have been blindsided by that magic thing. 
Yeah. But now they're doing better because of that. So it's like... He's still there, kind of. I think he really wasn't like, fuck them. I think he was like, hey, guys, I'm actually not that into this. It was the other guy that he was like, fuck. It was not... I forgot. It, Palenka. Rob Palenka that he was like, fuck that guy. Because that guy... Was like pulling the oh where's magic I don't see magic at work and like magic's like I told you I couldn't be here every day man no, I got never gonna be my thing like I that guy's got so many businesses in the works yeah. he doesn't have time and fighting AIDS <laughs> don't forget that it's hard work every day it's I don't think it is I think he's got a cocktail that's just open and I don't want to speak for that him South Park one that was like open money, and money money and add water and like oh that's Dude, a cure for AIDS South Park's got the right angle oh my God. for like twenty years always on everything it's, it's ridiculous they cover both sides too. They're so good. So this movie, the critique I heard was, wait, what's the podcast called again? What? Your, With Stav? Yeah. Pod Don't Lie. Pod Don't Lie. All right, everybody check that out. It's, it's fun. And then Keeping Joe? What is it? Keeping Joe. Keeping yeah, you've been Joe. on that a few yeah. times. Yeah. That was best the last one. I just like, that was so went good. up and see Bobby Kelly and I buzzed in and I'm like, hey, I'm like, oh, yeah, sit down. <laughs> and we barely recognized you because you had shaved your head. <laughs> yeah. I was like, who? Oh, Ari. <laughs> I said Burr last night at the fucking, at the memorial. And everyone's like real sad, and he would come over, and was like, oh, he- oh dude. <laughs> it's like, thanks for the laugh. You can't even be serious. It's yeah. like when you haven't seen a friend, like, it's such a bold move. It's not, I, can't, I respect that you always do just insane shit. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I try to have a good This time. is the move you could not pull if you were single. This is the in a relationship and piss off a girlfriend move. This is not a single person's yeah, move. Yeah, because you're like... I mean, you could, you would, I could still see you doing it, but it would be a very dumb single person move. Yeah. I, I think it's a move you can't do if you like, are like Michael Che. You know, where he's like, no, I'm working. I can't have... I can't... No. There's not all this shit. If you just got a horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> Try to grow it back a little before episode one. You're like, Amos from Coming to America? Who? What? <laughs> um... What people's critique of this movie was, it was slow. Yeah, but or it, it was I, too long. But I'm like, I, there was no point. Like what you said on the way home. Yeah. Well, also, how often we laughed a lot. I feel like there was some funny. There were funny moments. Like he just knows how to get kind of subtle laughs. Mm-hmm. There were. I was never bored throughout the movie at all. Yeah. Yeah. Brad Pitt was so cool. And when he takes his shirt off, like, th- didn't you have a moment when he takes his shirt off and you know he's like 55 where you're like, I got I to gotta get back in the gym, man. I wasn't even thinking that he was actually a 55-year-old man. I was just like, yeah. fucking, you know how this 55? Handy, well, I lost it myself in, in, in his role. So I was just like, yeah. handyman, they're always good looking. You know? <laughs> Not I a 55. Have you seen a 55-year-old handyman? Never like that. No. He's like Stallone. You ever see Stallone's body? He looks good. That's all juice. It's all juice. Body by juice. But his is almost too big where Pitt, you're like, that's a person. Yeah. That's Brad Pitt looks like, looks like. We sound so gay right now. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's like a real man. Um, but yeah, I mean, Leo and Pitt are just so cool. Yeah. They're just cool dudes. And and them together like then that. together partying is like, that's probably what you guys do. Just get drunk, huh? I bet they do. It, it seems like they would. And they also, Pitt and Leo together. It's like, that's kind of epic because they're like. I read something about how they're like the two stars of our generation who are like mega stars, but they also are, have never been like a superhero or anything. It's just good movies. Never been a su- Oh, you're right. Never right? So dumb fucking... Yeah, you're right. Not that I have anything against... I like a lot of those superhero no, movies. No, but, but a lot of those things are like... Let me cash in, I guess. International money grab or something. I saw um, the new Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, which yeah. it's just for 13-year-olds. 
It's not good. It's, it's supposed to be for teenagers. The Spider-Verse one is good. Spider-Verse is great. I love that movie. Oh, my God. It was great. That was that was. It awesome. was great. Mulaney was fucking great. I, I'm a, I just, anytime I hear Mulaney's voice, I get happy. Yeah. He's like one it of those dudes. Like a third of the way in. I'm like, who's? Oh, that's Sean Mulaney. I might even read the credits. Nicolas like, Cage, too. It's just like, that movie rocked. Yeah. And like to make to to do the spin on the story, like the uncle, the uncle, but then like you know that turn was like in every different direction, and then he sees that. Oh my god, dude! It was I so love good. that dude too, uh, Marichella Ali. You know from like House of Cards and uh, what's the Moonlight and stuff. I don't follow black people, but um, <laughs> uh, it's cool if you. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did he say about Indians? The only good Indians are dead Indian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, one. dude! <laughs> I was like, that was a great ad lib. Were they like giving him credit for the racist line? <laughs> yeah. That was a great uh, dude. So many great lines in the movie. If it was a movie about, I'm trying to think what it was about. You know, like subtext. Was it about getting older and becoming like a, a, a second fiddle kind of thing, or, or fading off gracefully into the sunset? You fading, know what I mean? Fading in the not obscurity because I mean he still had a career, sort of, sort of. But he went to Italy to do those. Movies that weren't good. Folded in movies, you know? And, like, movies where they're speaking different languages to each other, uh, which I'm like, that makes no sense. I could see why that infuriates Yeah, where it's you. like, you're only going for the cash and to do these, like, shit that's big in Italy. Yeah. So, like, who cares? But the idea is playing, like, the heavy in the Came back with roles. a completely different haircut. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was a weird haircut. Yeah. But those Bloody Marys in that flight look good. You ever do a, a Bloody Mary in a flight? You ever look at those old flights and be like, how roomy were those seats? Dude. And coach. We've gotten bigger and the, and the chairs have gotten smaller. I mean, and, we, the gla- and the cocktails look better back then. Yeah, on the for flights. real. Like she made it with celery and fucking olives. Not just cracked a, a bottle, can open and be like, here's your Bloody Mary. I still love that cracked open Bloody Mary though. You ever, Bloody Marys on flights are the most underrated move. What do you mean cracked open? Like just like tomato juice? I'll take it. Why not? I like because you get the spicy tomato juice. You it's still pretty spice, good. Yeah. It's, do it's you a, get them? Do you get drunk on flights? If I have a, if I have to fly in the night before, a hundred percent. Really? A hundred percent. Alone doesn't matter. It's so nice, dude. You ever just like, if I just have like a good book or like there's a good movie on like the flight that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's the best to just get. And a you had like lit. three wines. Oh my god, wine on a flight? So good, man. Yeah. It, it, every alcohol, you're in the air, so you're like, this is privilege. <laughs> I'm flying and I'm getting drunk. This is the shit. I love it. I love it. I mean... I do it rarely, but it is fun as shit. Have you ever, have you ever met a woman on a, on a flight and sat next to him and hit it off? Yeah, it's one chick once and we almost went out but never did. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. Fox, something Fox. What's her name? But that's like that's the hottest way to meet someone, I think. Yeah, because you're both just travelers, and every, you have to turn everything off, and just like, yeah, you're hitting it off. It's not based on anything. Yeah. Have you gone out with a girl from a flight? I I hooked up with a woman from a flight once. She was much older than me. I was like a young ass comic. I was probably like twenty five. Yeah. Or something, maybe twenty four, dude. I was in Reno, a fucking catch rising star, horrible gig, mm-hmm. uh, Silver Legacy Casino. Um, <laughs> not bragging, but uh, no, I sat next to this older woman. She was super hot, older woman in her forties, big fake breasts. Which I'm just like, I mean, this right. is. I mean, she fucks. This is exciting. Yeah. She, then she like she told me her whole life story, and it was like a crazy story where it was like, 
Your ex-husband really just fucked her over completely. She's had this horrible illness where she almost died. So it was like weird that we weirdly kind of connected on the flight. And I, you know, I just, I tried to keep it light because she was so heavy, you know, Mm -hmm. not physically. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we get to the, uh, there and I was like, well, maybe I'll see you this week. And we ended up getting lunch. And just from lunch, she was like, well, what are you doing now? I was like, I don't know. Do you want to watch comedy in my in Tucson? In uh, Reno. Oh, Reno. Yeah. Reno. We just we just went to my hotel room and we watched some comedy. And then wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. From the sh- the plane, she came to the show. It was the next day we got lunch. She didn't even come to the show. God, she got lunch. We got lunch, and she was like, well, was what she you from there or no? She was from Kansas. Okay, so she's on vacation too or whatever. She was on maybe it might have been a conference. I don't remember that. You part. got lunch and then you're like, come hang. Do you want to? Yeah, you want to come? Yeah, I <gasps> couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then what? And then we uh, watched comedy for a while, and then we started making out, and then we had sex, and she had some what sort you mean, of like your penis went into her vagina. My wiener was vagina. in there; it was crazy. It fit perfectly. That's nuts. <laughs> but you didn't. She never saw you do stand up or anything. No. And then she, um, she was very. She had some sort of ailment from like. She, that dick and she got? <laughs> <laughs> was <it> Louis pussy? <laughs> no, she uh, she had just recovered from some disease or something, so she was very sensitive when we you were sleeping the together. With rickets? <laughs> <laughs> Is that that thing on my dick? No, but we no we uh, really. It was like she was so like she felt more than most people felt. Just oh. it was she like a sensitivity. So she was making noises. I was like, "This is very stressful for me. Like I'm nervous. Like I'm hurting her or something, you know." And it wasn't like that. It was just like she was so she felt so thoroughly. I don't know like that black mirror where they can feel what you're feeling, but also what so I never saw that one. Oh, okay, um, condom or no condom? I always do a condom. Good I'm, for you, dude. I'm very responsible. Good for you. I was an accident. To feel things. <laughs> That's amazing. Speaking, of, content with speaking that. of not feeling, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, oh, you'll better feel this. Than I, I got a burka on my dick, so dude, it's like, uh, no, I'm the product of an accident, so I'm very uh, cautious. Your parents weren't together. No, I I met my biological father when I was like 18. I didn't know him, so I, I what? Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, but like, I'm, we're not on bad terms. I just was uh, your mom cheating or was she? No, they went on a few dates, and he just uh, his wife had died uh, from cancer uh, not too long ago, so he wasn't ready. He already had a your kid. Mom was a rebound. I guess so. Uh, I don't. I don't put it that way when I talk to her. But damn. But I think you know. I think they dated for a little while, and it was you know that was and that was was what it was, and he wasn't ready for that so i you know she's like i'm gonna have it he goes oh well um <laughs> i can't help but relate to him a little bit <laughs> yeah. and be like oh really <laughs> well, i could see you be at nine years old you're like that's fucked up you wouldn't have raised me and now at 26 you're like, you're like oh no i get it you yeah, think yeah, i'm 26 yeah. or whatever when you first start realizing it when you're like when you're like oh, it's yeah, the most yeah, flattered i've been i felt like i felt like a woman who just got carded on her 40th <laughs> like birthday beard at like 16 you're the one of the no but we Jews i mean I but we're not on bad like terms even but it was just one of the things where like of course it's in the back of my head i actually know some members of his family now somewhat well and they're pretty and they're pretty cool really yeah yeah they're new yorkers too so you know that's cool yeah yeah it's uh it's a funny situation i mean it's like to be it makes you responsible are you do you will you just raw dog for a long time i just that's insane to me that you would do that don't aren't you scared to catch something i was Generally, I felt pretty safe in that, like, this seems like a normal person. I try to usually, occasionally to usually have the talk, like, is there anything I should know about? 
I would also hit him with like, <laughs> I've had HPV, but you know, or I had, uh, I had, I had, I say that, but most girls are on the pill, so it doesn't matter. Or on the HPV. Isn't that pill. crazy that most women have like an IUD now or like are on a yeah. pill? It's pretty incredible. No, the, I, the HPV pill oh. that you take before you're 26. So they're like, they're like, I can't get that. No, but I said one time is that I had gonorrhea once or no, chlamydia once, but that's gone. But I feel like that set the table to be like, I'm sharing. You can share. And I've had girls be like, Yeah, they're you should wear a condom. And it's like what? Okay. What does that mean? What I don't do want to ask because if it's AIDS or herpes, then I'm going to be like, not going to be able to. Well, if it's boner. AIDS, you should leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I'd rather just. Don't if it's herpes, tell. you should probably also leave, but I don't want to tell you to live your life. You know? Yeah. But that's, oh, that stresses me out. Yeah. Now I wear condoms, though. If you're, if you're not, if you're a good person, you should absolutely divulge that information. <laughs> I know, but I don't think everybody does. Of course not. That's how people keep that's getting how it. how it spreads. I was talking to Louis Gomez about this once, and it was like, I think I, I think I thought I had herpes, and it was, Pete Lee was the point I pointed out. He goes, that's the tear in the top of your dick. You, you had too rough sex on like I was like dude it's the, no I've looked it up and the doctor was like yeah that's what it is it's like it was anal sex and like Damn. pulled out the fucking head of my dick a little bit so I just kind of cut it whatever so you, so you lucked out yeah but I was like I gotta be more careful Pete Lee like, is such a low key coxman <laughs> you think he's like this sweetheart from those Fallon sets you're like what a sweet guy and then you're like you <laughs> hang out with him you're like Jesus Christ yeah he drinks Pete he goes like a martial it. art drunk uh huh uh-huh. you know Wisconsin guy, like, yeah. Yeah. oh, jeez, I'm going to kick your fucking oh, ass. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, he told me that. But then I was like, I got to call these women. And Luis Gomez was like, no, you don't have to call them. I was like, no, you do. If you have something, you have to call everybody. Like, everybody for the last two years. <laughs> of course you do. And he goes, they don't. He goes, no, everyone does. He goes, okay, Ari, how many women you have sex with? More than three? I'm like, yeah, I mean, lots more than three. He goes, and he goes, have you ever gotten a call from any of those women saying... Luis said that? Yeah, saying... I just got something. I know we slept with each other in the last Damn, that's two weeks, a two really years, dark thought, though. But you should get tested. I've never, ever gotten any of those phone calls. Well, maybe you're just picking the right women. That none of them ever ended up getting anything? Yeah, that's probably unlikely. Yeah. That's a hard call to make. It's a hard call. <laughs> For sure. Although, yeah, I've never gotten a call like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? These chicks are the same way. It's different now because now you like now it's like DMs. It's not just texts. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's uh. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, hang on one second. What a hilarious segue. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, the dog. We just we didn't even talk about the dog from Once Upon a Time with low key MVP of the movie Pitbull, right? Was it a Pitbull? Pitbull yeah. It was, it a, was like a cute thick Pitbull fucking dog. Yeah. Uh, really well trained, but they set up the training and then they paid it off way later. Right. Do you ever see... Um, this, is gonna, this is the best segue we're talking about condoms to just cut into. <laughs> Good dog. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, do you ever see Insomnia... I never saw that one. That's a that's a good Pacino though, right? Yeah, that's a good Pacino. Robin Again, Williams, fifteen years ago. But Pacino, I don't think is as shitty as as De Niro. I for go the record, the, I think I De Niro is way. way more phoned it in. I think De Niro's better. At his height, yeah, yeah. I'm saying the last twenty years or so, he's been a phoner. He's been a full on phoner. What has Pacino been in that's good in the last twenty years? I don't know, but I haven't noticed him being in like in te- like really bad things. Because I think they're so bad that you don't even see him. Could be. Whereas I think De Niro is still in an occasional good role. I guess. I know yeah, he's, maybe, in, maybe. he's in some turds, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Because I'll give Pacino. Pacino never pulled off comedy like De Niro. Dude, Midnight Run, epic movie. Diaz did a movie, um, like a boxing movie. He got hires local hire. 
did the same thing for Sopranos. That guy's a fucking workhorse. This Joey does. Diaz was yeah, in he, The Sopranos? Had, the new movie. Oh, wow. He's that, in it. I can't wait for yeah, that. And all he does is this. He goes, yeah, I live in New York. I'm a local hire. I can come from home. Meaning, I'm going to get my own flight. He did the same thing for New Orleans for that boxing uh, Pacino De Niro movie. De Niro movie. Um, and then he knows. He goes, get me in the door. I'll, I'll make the mad scenes for me. You know what I mean? And as soon as he like starts going, like, oh, you're way funnier than a local hire actor. Totally. And he has all these stories of like that neighborhood back probably when it was being set, you know? And they're like, hey, uh, I've get never this met guy that some guy. More shit. Oh, he's the I best. I want to meet that guy sometime. <laughs> you should do his podcast when you go to uh, LA. Well, I don't know him. But I'll, I'll, I'll call him. Um, he's got time. But yeah, that'd be a good match. Um, yeah, no, everything I've seen from him, like, I like this guy. I, I don't know. I've you never met him. Old Knicks. You could talk. Is same. he a Knicks fan? He grew up in New- Newark. Oh, wow. Or outside Newark or whatever. And the old Knicks. I don't but you still have a reference. We, we did a whole episode on the Knicks. Yeah. Um, but that dog. Oh, anyway. So in that movie, oh, I'm going to spoil it for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. 15 years. But Insomnia, you see a dead dog in an alleyway. Yeah. And it's Alaska in, in the solstice. So it's bright light all day long. You know? So even at 3 a.m., it's still pretty bright light. And he sees a dead dog. I'm like, oh, what a weird dead dog. And it's just like gross. This fucking Anchorage-ish or Juno-ish town. And then like an hour later, he's got to fire a bullet into a body so he can like recover a, a, a used bullet to plant somewhere. And then he goes to that alley and shoots it into the dog. And you're like, oh, that's why you showed it. Wow. You know what I mean? But you weren't expecting it, but then it's like it pays it off. Like, if you didn't have the first scene, you couldn't just, like, right. show the second scene. And if you didn't have the first scene of him being trained, the second scene with him attacking everybody would seem kind of forced. That's true, yeah. If they're just using it for shock value, you're like, yeah. why are you showing me a dead that, dog, that, dude? Right. We all like dogs. And in this one, if the first time you saw him was, he was like, I brought my dog over to have my last, my last drink and to find my buddy. Right. And you're like, oh, that's weird. And the dog attacks everybody. You're like, that was convenient. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, I, 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 I never saw Insomnia. I heard that was great. It was pretty. That was Nolan, good. right? That was what? That was Christopher Nolan, I think. The guy who did Inception and Batman or, and everything. Or, uh, Memento. Yeah, Memento was so good. It's a great movie, and Bat. They did Batman, dude. Batman all the Batman, Bane. all of them. Oh, really? All three of them. Oh, yeah, that guy's good. I loved the Bane Batman too. I loved all three of them. I'm brain. I loved it. I didn't like it because it was just him in a hole for fucking 45 minutes. I know, but that ending was fucking beautiful, man. I know. Well, you don't know if he's dead or not. I kind of love shit. I love ambiguous endings. Who, Batman? Yeah. I love that you don't know if he is dead or not. How did that end? Well, he's in Paris and Michael Caine doesn't know if he's like, one day I hope I see him in Paris. I mean, Inception. No, no, that's that's Batman 3. Oh, you're right. And then he sort of sees and he kind of nods. He thinks he sees him. He thinks he sees him. It barely shows it. I love endings like that where you don't know... There was a great and that was Inception too. The, the top spinning, it I wobbles a half wobble, and you're like, "Is that? Is that, I mean, it's about to end?" Or not? and you're like, oh, "Whatever." Man, Beautiful. Credits. I loved Inception. Well, there's a great movie called The Guard too. Which that was it, also uh, what's his name? Who from this movie? Leonardo DiCaprio. The Inception. Guard. Oh no, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. yeah, The Guard with Don Cheadle and Brendan Gleeson. Man, great movie. Uh, and there's and there's a whole thing where you they tease that this really fat kind of racist Irish cop Brendan Gleeson is was an Olympic swimmer and they're like look at him he's fat he can't swim and there's this one scene where you're like oh shit he actually can swim and then at the end he has a shootout on a boat and uh, and they say like he's 
definitely dead. And he's like, what are you talking about? That guy was an Olympic swimmer, but all he did was lie the whole movie. So you don't know if he really he survived or not. Right. But it's like, I love endings. That was a great movie. But I love endings like that where you're like, you don't, you yeah, don't totally know. I, but I like that because then you end up talking about it. It feels un-Hollywood too. Like Hollywood, I feel like a Hollywood movie, they have to give you like an absolute. So this is what she told me. She said she, she did a year abroad in, in uh, Barcelona. In Barcelona. And she said some like indie movie, an indie movie. She was talking about with her friends, and they go, "It was really Hollywood." And and, and she was like, "What do you mean? No, what was, what was, Hollywood movie? Some indie movie?" And she goes, "How can it be Hollywood? It's it's actually not Hollywood. It's some indie, like a real independent movie, like like fucking Juno or, or Napoleon Dynamite type thing, you know?" Yeah. Um. And then it was she realized like, oh, just all American movies are like the bad guy has to get got. Yeah. At the end, you know, it's just these tropes of like, and I guess in Europe they just don't do that. They just like have it more realistic. But then also, then there's like anti that. I mean, there's there's sure, movies that go against that. Uh, but then they don't make as much money because they don't because we want escapism. I think don't, don't like it. They want to. I want the bad guy arrested and it all work out. I don't know but then there are great movies where the bad guys win, man. I, I mean, like, don't you think Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie? Yeah, maybe. I think it is because you're like, oh shit, life kind of sucks. And also because you, you're so hungry for that final too, where you're so hang, hungry to win in the end. Uh-huh. That's it not makes like Braveheart too, because like, how's he gonna get out of this? Like, he's not. But all his friends are there. They're gonna, they're gonna spring him. Like, they can't. There's a whole army here, and there's twelve of them. Because, but because Mel Gibson is not. When has he been in something lately? He's done, kind of, right? Oh, he was in something. What? He was in The Beaver, <laughs> the Jodie Foster done. movie. I think he got finished after he called that um, that female cop. I got a story. Like, I got a story though about Mel Gibson. Okay. All right, because. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a film editor guy, and, and he, he was telling me he worked on Signs. Signs was good. Well, he said, let me tell you something about Mel Gibson. I was like, I want to hear oh, it so yes. badly. And he said, um, you know, we went. he was like, nice enough, always, like, cool guy. Then we went out drinking one night, and I was like, oh, here we go. And he said, he, he just turned to me drunk and goes, who do you think benefited from 9-11 more than the Jews? And you're like, what? I was like, so he's just that dude. Like, he gets drunk and just starts <laughs> shitting on the Jews. Um, and he, I was like, so he's fucking like a absolute racist. I think I was like, a hundred percent fucking hates Jews. Like, just hates the Jews. You can't be in Hollywood and hate Jews. <laughs> yeah, he clearly. Except, except being in Hollywood, I could see why you would hate the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get know? off the phone with your manager, you're All like, your God damn it, Tats and Greenberg or whatever. <laughs> assholes. They never do anything. They take twenty percent total. Oh, I'm sure like most of anti-Semitism stem from having a manager. <laughs> You're like this fucking middleman. But uh, I always said what I want, who I wanted managing me before I had any manager or agent. <laughs> I wanted someone who other people refer to as that fucking Jew. <laughs> you know, I want that guy on, in my side. If you're on the road and they insult your agent when you get there, you get a good fucking agent. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? When they say something shitty, dude. Uh, no, but that guy is yeah. 100%. I've just heard stories where it's like that dude's a fucking anti-Semite. Yeah, probably. And they said his dad really was. And it sucks because you I fucking like love Lethal Weapon, dude. I loved Mel Gibson. Yeah, Lethal Weapon was so good. Lethal Weapon's just a great movie. I think you got to be able to separate the man from the artist. <laughs> from the anti-Semite. <laughs> yeah, like whatever he is, whatever. I don't, that's not why I'm watching him. Totally. because he fucking loses himself in a role. And it, unless this me giving him money is going towards... The Nazi party? It might be. It might be, but it's probably not. It's going to his mouth. I don't think he's going to Nazi party, but that guy definitely is. I bet he's on like some fucked up boards. Don't you think? 
Oh, like so one of those under under. Totally, th- I don't think he's a good person. Regardless, I'm with it's you just, about separating. I'm here to watch man. this movie. I'm not here about his politics or whatever else he does. It's so much easier to do it with their past work when you can like blame your innocence or ignorance uh-huh, or whatever. Like I was a kid, but now to watch him now is harder for me. I know it's like it is. I I, I also hate. It's hard. I go back and forth because I hate the idea of just canceling people. I really yeah. do. But I I think he's probably a shitty dude. I know, but it's like it's weird because when the punishment gets too harsh, it's almost like I can't even talk about how shitty a dude he is because you guys look. That's such a good point. It's such a good point. When they go so far, it takes away almost our coping mechanism. Uh Well, we are angry too, but we it's like they get so angry that we're just like hold on. I mean, imagine if we were talking about let's say we all went to Montreal. Yeah, there was video of you, or let's just say not video, just talking of you. Throwing up so much. If there's a video of me in Montreal, it's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> there's no reason to film you. Those, cr- those crowds it's excessive. have never laughed hard at me in but Montreal. But let's say there's like, everyone talks about how Sam was so drunk, he, th- he, f- he threw up in a, in a, in a uh, vase or whatever, in a planter, and he kept throwing up in it until it filled it up. Yeah. And we're like, wow. And that'd be a fun, like, dude, he's got to get control of himself. We could all talk in private about it, you know? But if it got so much, we're like, he has to never work again. We have to get out of here. Then we're like, oh, hey, man, uh, no, no, no. We just want to shit on him a little bit, but now we can't because you you want to fucking right. hang him. So now we can't even shit on him just for shitty behavior. Yeah, you're ruining our views. Yeah, well, I just want to like make fun of him a little. That's all that should happen to him. Yeah, even anti-Semitism. This I, I really feel like that's okay. You really? Anti-Semitic. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I think it's ridiculous, but like. I don't think you should get fired for that. Unless you picked you, the wrong career, the ACLU. <laughs> you definitely picked the wrong career. <laughs> but I think that's a valid. An anti-Semitic. We're like, look, You're I know he works for the ACLU, but I think it's okay that he hates us. You know? Yeah. No, that would not be okay. Or, uh, dude, yeah, you can't be in you can't be in show business and hate Jews. It's, it's, why would you be in that business? You picked the wrong business. That's like if you make cotton in the fucking 1700s. Also, Mel Gibson, Jews fucking made your career. Major career. Wouldn't you not hate them? It's like you're looking at them for holding you back, where it's like the only reason you live in L.A. is because Jews decided to move studios to L.A. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, or whatever. I, don't, I don't get it. But 60s. also, like, it's like what we were saying before we saw the movie in that part of the podcast where we're like, if I knew him, maybe I'd feel differently. I don't know him. So I'm right, right, like, right. Ah, he's just so, probably a fucking asshole. So there's no reason to defend him. There's only reason to attack totally. him. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if I knew him and I saw he had this great side, and, and I, and I, but we'll never know Mel Gibson. Yeah. We're never going to be friends no. with him. <laughs> and when people are like, well, I'm friends with him. I'm like, well, okay. That's cool. That's the way you are with what's his name? With my buddy <laughs> that I don't want to get into right now. But like, I don't even, I'm like, good I, though. But you're I always like, like, I respect that you like him and defend him. But, like, I, okay. but I'm good with him now, I feel. Are you? I saw him in LA and we had like a nice talk. I feel oh, like that's great. That makes like me really happy. Not like a long, but we were, he was friendly to me. So I was like, all right, we're good. That's great. Yeah. That makes me really happy. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like when you see two people like that you like, don't like each other. It's like, guys, it shouldn't, shouldn't I don't think we're like that. He sent me a nice message actually recently. So I was like, yeah, I think we're good. Excellent. Great. Well, that makes me happy. Um, no, I also, when, when I saw it bummed you out, I was like, now I'm like, am I being a fucking asshole? You know what I mean? I yeah. don't know. It was like, I don't like, I honestly, just out of me liking you, it's like, you don't like putting your friend in that position either, you know? Yeah. As I like, like the, what? Putting my friend in that position? Just as like the referee. Oh. It's just fucking lame. Like when somebody breaks up and you want to like shit on your ex-girlfriend. I'm never that. Them, like, isn't she the worst? And they're like, mm, I won't I do that. Like I hate when people, I hate when people. You never do that with what's her name? Ever. I, who? You never did that. Oh, with that oh I would never do that. Yeah, no, I would was, never. It, was, it made it a lot easier to be like. 
I, I hope she has a ton of success. I really don't wish ill yeah. on her in any way. I really don't. I, like, I, it's, Not even a common cold? Of all the ills, <laughs> Nick, Nick Griffin has the best joke where he said, "You know, I'm divorced, and you know that we were supposed to be together till death. I never even got a fever." <laughs> no, dude, I, I really don't wish any anything bad. I really hope she does great. I, I text her sister the other day because they live in Dayton, so I, I so text. If you want to hurt your sister? You should hook up with me. <laughs> they live in no. Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, so I knew about the shooting. So I texted her sister and I said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about you. And uh, was I answered her off. Shooting? And I, no, I didn't know. I just said, I'm thinking about you. And I, no, I, I said, I'm just sending love to your family. It was terrible, man. So uh, I, I haven't talked to her forever, but I, 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 her family was so nice, man. Shit. Damn. I don't wish any, I, it's also the older you get, the more you're just like, who gives a shit? I think that's a lot of it. Where you have this young rambunctiousness where like, this is the line I will never forgive. Same, but I never even felt that way. I just felt when you're young, you have all this angst well, and it's, it's angst, not anger. It's like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of that guy. But and it's then, not, but it's not even based in reality. It's just based in feelings. You're a young, can't. you're a young puppy and you want to like fucking fight. <laughs> I want to fuck a leg. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's what, that's what it is. Where it's like, I'll never forgive. It's the biggest thing in the world. And, and you get older, you're like. I get it. No, no, I, I I ran into him at the store and he was super nice. And then he sent me a message and I was like, "That's really nice." And I and and I feel like we're we're totally good. I don't think it's like that at all. That's where I was with Bobby Lee. We, I hated him for you so long. You had beef with Bobby Lee. I beat the fuck out of him. You beat him up. Yeah. I thought you guys were really good friends. We were. I've never. I've and met. Then we him. weren't, and then we are again. I never really met. I met him for like a second. I don't really. I've never really. He's met crazy, him. but he's nice. He's he helped good, me a lot when I started. He helped like. There's a probably that's why I said success has many mothers, but failure is a bastard. If not for his help, I I probably wouldn't be a stand up. Wow, you know what I mean early on like that's kind of beautiful though. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the people that without his like little help, you know, just like let me take you to dinner, let me take you know, you know, it's just like I probably would have failed out in those first four. Or five God, years. it's like I I I see that in some younger comics where like. You just want to help, like in any, and in some ways you don't know how to help because like you can only badger bookers so much. You can only badger people that with them fucking hating you. I think some of it is honestly because I get what you're saying. Is hey man, that was a really good joke. That's I, so I much really for like me. That. that was so much of it. You're now an older comic. You've yeah. done lots of late night. You've yeah, done a, an hour special. <laughs> you're a legit comic. Thanks. You and too. So, I mean, we both are. Yeah. But like at some point, it's just like hey, from this older comic, good job. It means so much to me, man. And also, like, uh, when but I also knew my name. It was part, like, wow. What part of the problem is that, like, you forget that you're a comic, so you forget that that compliment means something. You forget, right. like, I forget that because you feel like an audience member. So you're like, ah, but I'm also like, job. who the fuck am I to yeah. be like good set? Like, right. it, you forget that it's like meaningful. But like, um, you know, it is meaningful, of course, when someone you respect says something nice. Yeah. You, you know, even if it's like an open mic or a young comic, it means a shitload. Seriously. It really does. Yeah. I want, I want, you know, you, we work so hard at this, man. Dude, there's one time I remember, and it wasn't even a compliment, it was just a laugh. I was, I was in the OR, and, and it's I so was, funny that's called the OR, by the way. Yeah. It's so funny. The operating room. Yeah. yeah. It's just so, <laughs> just original. I forget yeah. that I got, I got, I'm an East Coast comic, so I don't hear Dude, that's the That's not your history. Well, I just don't hear the stores much. I think it's such a cool room, but I just, I don't hear the, the OR, I don't hear the OR very much. It's a cool room because, there's a lineage on the the wood of the stage, to Kinnison, to Richard Pryor. I love it, dude. To, you know, to Letterman, to they Gary Shandling, uh, Jay on Leno. Exact stage. It was recarpeted, but that's the only difference. Yeah, no, I I feel it. I mean, I I yeah. like I like doing stand up in L. A. I like 
I like being there. I, I mean, I'm a New Yorker, so it's hard for me to be there too long. But like, I had the same thing with here when I would come. I was like, oh, I went up in New York. Really? I was an eight year comic. I was like, that's so cool. I feel that way. About it. I, I, I'm excited. I'm gonna be there next week. And I'm excited. I'm yeah. like, I'm excited to be. Just, Are you going up to the store? I'm doing Sam Tripoli show at the store. Cool. Yeah, you yeah. got to do the fucking punch drunk. I don't. If, am I? I think Tuesday, I'm doing that. Eleven. Are yeah. you doing it? I'm doing some show there. I'm doing Sam's show at eight. I think. No, no, no. Podcast at eleven on Tuesdays. Oh, um, I'll do that if if you'll have me on that. I'll totally do. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm doing a few podcasts out there. I'm doing Bert's. I'm doing Bert's. His. Be great. Do you remember doing, Bert on the? I'm not gonna say names, but do you remember Bert on Super on the Bert? Joker's Cruise? Yeah, dude, I <laughs> I, did, I didn't know that Bert. side of Bert. I didn't know because like I I love I've always liked Bert so much, and like I really have. Like I thought he was like I remember being opening for him like it's almost probably seven years ago Where? at the Hartford Funny Bone, and Nikki Glazer used to open for him. So she dropped down. And really? She's like, Sam, do you want to open for Bert Kreischer? And I was like, I don't really know him. She's like, he's the coolest. And I feel like Bert and I hit it off immediately. And I was selling T-shirts back then, you know, featuring just paid shit. And yeah, uh, yeah. Bert put a gay porn magazine in my feature bag. So I opened it and it was just gay porn. <laughs> and he was like, I gotcha. And I was like, oh, I like this guy immediately. I mean, he was just, he was the best. So I, I, I immediately was like a, you know, a Bert fan. You know what it reminds me of now that you just mentioned it? Sal. Yeah, that dude. That lovable. Silly, like, goofy, but kind. You know, like kind of like a normal straight edge dude. But in the comedy world, you know, where dude, it's like, he was. Oh, I love my, love my he life. Was, he was so cool, and uh, and dude, his hour was so good. I mean, I was like, I think the hour, Secret like, time? no, this oh, was. Then. I mean, that was a really funny hour. But I'm saying, like, before this was like before this is an older hour. Yeah, he really does put on a live show, but it's really good storytelling too. It's like. Yeah. It's like you guys, like I, I hate when comics break down like jokes versus storytelling, like where it's in opposition, where it's like, no, I kind of am always been envious of guys like you or Jim Jeffries or Bert, where it's just so good at it. Yeah, I mean, but you guys are all great storytellers, so it's so it, to me, it's so cool, you know. And uh, I, I, I'm, it's a skill that I, you know, I want to keep working at. So yeah. I'm always. I like how you did my show once, and you're like, I want to do that. I want to try that again. Yeah, of course. Cool to try. It was. It's. I. I Armor did a story in your way. show, and I changed it a lot, and now it's much better. And I'm. You gonna kept put, working it. Yeah, it's going to be in my hour. It's. Fucking it's great. my new hour. It's my closer. My that's hour. When Moshe was the first one to do that, where he's yeah. like, "Hey, that story I thought of for your show, I kept doing it, and now it's in my special." Oh, it's it's my closer on the road right now, and it's in my hour. They're all closers. Yeah, they're all closers. Well, I'm also a joke writer though, so it, it's the only place it fits for me. Really, because you can't start with that and then have to make them reevaluate. Totally. But once but, they get to know you for 50 minutes, it's and like, you, and your advice, you're so helpful. I mean, you gave me advice that. Was like what was it? You you broke down storytelling to me in such a simple way. Where, I mean, it comes more easily to you than it does to me. It's you kind of broke it down where it was like um, I couldn't end a story. I texted you and I texted Jim Jeffries. I was like, I can't end a story. I don't know how to end a story. And we we hung out one night. And you were just like, you got to insert a callback. You got to figure out. You put it here like you say something about your mom. Maybe you got to add something, and then you end it with like that same line about the mom, like "How you like me now, mom?" Like that—that yeah. that was that type of thing that kind of just opened it up for me, where I was like, "Oh, that's logical." Well, it's it ended like, up being a callback to an earlier bit in the hour, which is how I'm closing it. But it hits very hard now, and I was like, "Thank fucking God!" For, it's about Naples, actually. Naples, Florida. It's about Naples, Florida, and my disdain of Naples, Florida. Really, I fucking hate Naples. What did Jim tell you? Jim just he's said one that's like. 
I, I, I've done this show a long time, that storytelling show. It's called whatever now, Orange for Name Storytelling Show, but like the best one we ever had. Which, like just in terms of consistency the or show. the best story? I'm saying the best show we ever had. What did he tell? Which story? It was at the improv lab where we were in the side room, which is had, that got shut down, that got reopened as whatever it is now. But it was just a side room. You weren't allowed to bring beer in there. You had to go there and buy beer at the bar and sneak beer in. And they got mad at me because they're like, why are you having such good comics on your show in the side room? I'm like, you booked me in the side room. Should I not book good comics? Like, what are you talking about? It was Jackie Cation, Eddie Ift. I think, I'm pretty sure this is it. Jim Jeffries, Bill Burr, Burt Kreischer. Wow. And it was just start to finish was just like, boom, boom, boom. And it was so fucking good. And Jim Jeffries told a story of beating a fucking kangaroo to death after somebody saw like got hit by a car, and he was like he was gonna die, so he had to beat it with a fucking God. wrench to death. What did he say? Jim said, "I said I can't end a story," and he said, "I was like, what do you do when you can't end a story?" And he said, "I either um, I either find a callback, I make up an ending, or I say that's all I got for that one." Wow. <laughs> but uh, wow. Now he is so. Uh, Want some more? Yeah, sure. Why not? But he's so uh, he's such a gifted storyteller. Like, really, he was he was of that whole run of my show. And he's but he's also him great at social commentary. Failures of like not being able to get them on the show. At least I got them on the live show. But like, they're I'm, so I did a couple of your live shows and they were so fun, man. They're they fun, were, right? They were so fun. I loved it. Yeah, I had so much fun. Should I get another ice cube? Yeah, I could do one more ice cube. But talk about while I'm gone. About, okay, once upon a time in, in uh, I almost said Mexico. Once upon a time in Mexico. No, once upon in America, we, uh, I'm trying to think what else I loved about it. No, failed so fucking hard on that well, task. Well, that was <laughs> also was like. buy time. You didn't I bought anything. Time, but I bought time like a motherfucker, though. <laughs> that was awesome. I was, I was, I was like, I got to become a better storyteller. I'm like, anyway, I. So uh, once upon a time <laughs> in Mexico. In that's the not the name. Hollywood. It's like a late night host during the writer's strike. <laughs> anyway, like, is that it? Um, what else did you love about it? I'm trying. You know what else I. What? The violence in it was great. The violence was so... It, oh, go ahead, go ahead. It was so earned. It, I, I guess I just like... I, I think violence were getting so reckless as a society. In, you know, and in movies where... I, I'm, I've never been a big like horror movie guy. Mm-hmm. And I am a big horror movie guy when it's like a thriller or like... like I love Misery. I love Psycho. God, I love The Shining. I love ones that play with you psychologically. But I, I've never been a big into like the torture porn, like the Saw movies that we thought were just shit Rob to Zombie. me. Zombie. I yeah. fucking hate it, man. Um, but it, it's not for me. But, you know, I felt like the violence was so earned. And we talked about, like, him earning it. But, like, dude, Pulp Fiction is another one where, like, you know, when Bruce Willis, who I saw the other day in a deli. I just what? saw him randomly in my neighborhood what? in a deli. Uh, looks great. But uh, but just uh, so many fucking homoerotic references in this podcast. But uh, <laughs> but there's... But there's... <laughs> but... Uh, but the scene where he rescues Marcellus in Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. is so satisfying because the guy's getting sodomized and you know he's getting back into his good graces at the same time yeah, by but saving also, him. But he could easily just leave and live. And now he's like, I don't know if I'll live, but I got to stop. This is the wrong and I got to stop it. It's a human moment. So he's like a hero, but a real hero. Because most heroes in movies are just like, there's a girl getting raped. I got to stop in. But it's like, yeah, everyone would feel that. There's more of a, a real hero is like, 
doing this might get me killed. Walking away will will make me live because he's going to die. And he's going to get tortured. But this isn't the world I want to live in. I have to I have to fucking stop this. Pulp Fiction's a fucking phenomenal film. I was in St. Louis a few weeks ago. God, it was great. And, and it was on TV. It's like you ever on the road and a movie comes on TV and you're, you're like, like it's going to be a good 2 hours before I, I guess, go. Well, I guess I'm going to be exhausted for this morning flight cuz oh, yeah. I'm watching it. It was that and it was being John Malkovich were the two movies that recently they're on TV and I was like I'm watching it all the way through. I've, especially if you get some takeout, there's some good like delivery in that town where you're like I'm going to eat there's not. in my bed. Where was it? St. <laughs> <Saint> Louis. Louis. <laughs> What'd you do there? Um I had Sam Evans with me on the road. He's super funny. Such a funny guy. And uh, he, he was what featuring uh, Helium. Is it good? Yeah, it was great. And uh, we yeah we went out after uh, Tina Dieball. So it was really funny. She was hosting. It was just a good weekend. And then we, uh, Tina Dieball, she's a St. Louis comic. She's really funny. And, uh, and then we, uh, and then I ended up in my room with a girl from St. Louis and we, uh, we hooked up and we watched Pulp Fiction. It was great. Really? It was a great one night stand. That's actually pretty nice. It was a perfect one night stand because I don't think we expected anything other than like, you know, one night stand sex can be awkward and not great, but like, I think feel like we both bought in to what it was. To like one night. To one night, yeah. And yeah. she was cool. She was like a cool person. And then there's actually Lee's like, well, Pulp Fiction's on. You're like, no. I was, like, I was like, stay over. She's in, uh, <laughs> I don't remember if she did, but we watched, we, we definitely, no, she stayed over. We watched Pulp Fiction. And it was the worst is the other way. We're like, what are you doing for breakfast? I'm like, well, what am I doing? It's different from what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> just rejected. No, but we just watch it and like, dude, Samuel L. Jackson just so cool in that movie. Oh, man, just good. so fucking good. Everyone's good in it, but like, god damn, he just kills that role so hard. God, so many good scenes. Bad motherfucker. Just that his just how cool he is during the robbery. He's like, I'm not flustered. So now be this, cool <laughs> in this movie. Brad Pitt was cool because, one, he was in the military. Yeah. And two, he was fucked up on acid. And he might have killed his ex-wife. So they kind of showed it. Like him, him like slowly moving the, the, the spear gun or whatever that was. So we don't know if he killed her or not. Was it a flare gun or was it a spear gun or something? It was like a harpoon type thing, yeah. I think. And he yeah. was like moving it towards her while she was shitting on him. I thought they would like show like a bump and it going off. But Me they were too. like, same thing with Inception, whatever. They were like... Nah, I'm we're not giving you that. We're not well, giving it to you. Well, you know what else is? Uh, you could think a bump made him shoot it, or you could think like he was like, "Fuck you, bitch." <laughs> you don't know. But we, I like that we don't know, and I also like that. Um, I mean, we might we kind of know, I guess. But the scene where he fights with the Bruce Lee Bruce type Lee. character, I guess it was Bruce Lee. But he fights with him. They made Bruce Lee seem like a real cocky piece of shit, real by the way. Piece of shit. Which it I was, was like, kind of crazy. I kind of hoped he was, and a- he was training actors and actresses how to fight. He was just like, they made him seem like Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, where it's like, you play a fighter. You ain't going to beat no fucking Muhammad Ali. Get the fuck out of here. But that was pretty cool when he defends Cassius Clay, by the way. They, they timestamped it properly, I guess. We called him Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yeah, our warriors. And he, he just fucks his ass up in that one move. No, he did not beat me up. <laughs> we were fighting. <laughs> that was so great. But he was so yeah. He, so Brad Pitt's a badass. He's also kind of like too cool for where he is in his life. Like he lives in a shitty ass trailer. Mm-hmm. Like he's too cool and too good looking. And like the way he feeds his dog and makes a sad ass dinner in that scene. Like you could say that they're buying time, but I think it all paints a picture of like, the character. So a couple things I saw. I want to get to something. I want to get to 
what Norm, Norm uh, Polanski and Harvey Weinstein. Sure. I think he was like mentioning it in this movie subtly. But first, by the way, Rosemary's Baby, I didn't realize was from that time period. I thought it came later. I'm, I'm yeah, just it seemed like an '80s movie. I thought it was an uh, '80s movie, but they said Rosemary's Baby, didn't they? But also, they said Sharon Tate never got killed. Fair enough. So you don't know for sure, but like you'd have to look it up. But probably, or I would say Chinatown is one of the best movies of all time, though. I never saw it. Can I see it? It's one of the best movies ever. It's like a perfect movie still. Yeah. I I I, really? I, would, I would put that on top of your queue. It's great. You ever seen Chinatown? Have you ever seen Chinatown? Yeah. It's I'm great. Watch it alone. Watch it on the road. It's so good. Okay. Watch it on the road. It's just like Nicholson and Dunaway and. Uh, John Houston, they're just—it's everyone's amazing in it, yeah. and it's—it's it's beautifully shot. It looks beautiful. Like, man, that's one I wish they would play in a theater for us to see in a theater because that's a fucking dude. Cool New movie. York—they had that shit. I just looked when I was looking this up. If you find Chinatown, I'll go with you anytime. Okay, I just looked this up, and they were like, "Fast Times at Ridgemont High is playing somewhere tonight at seven thirty, and I'm like, and we saw Clueless in the park. That's fun, but but I, for whatever reason, like those perfectly shot movies seen in the theater are so much more. Yeah, like, but I'm saying. Uh, also, Taxi Driver. I'm like, they show those so old cool. movies all the time out here. Don't you feel, though, with the whole time you're in a Tarantino movie, like, I don't feel bothered by it being long because I feel like I'm in the presence of a great filmmaker the whole time. So you I'm kind of like, I feel like privileged to see To, to see be that. watching it. Yeah, I don't feel at all bored. I'm just like, this is his choice. Like, There's why no, like, I... Oh, I couldn't decide what to cut. It's like, no, no, I've decided this is what I want in there. Yeah, no, I... For a reason. I, I'm so happy that he's still making movies. I love... Like, people movie. are saying it's got fat on it. I'm like, this is his fucking movie, man. Like, who, who fat else... Fat is when you see, like, funny people. And you're like... Or or Lord of the Rings Part 3. When you're like, this is already over. Which part of the funny people did you think was the fat? Did you think the the, the love story or the, the comedy? The showing the 30 minutes of home, foot, home movie footage... Pretty much, sure. And the it's just like you can stop this already. But there were such such great moments in that movie. Yeah, I no, thought. no. Not to take it away from the good moments, but yeah. I'm saying like some of this is fat. I agree. Where, like that, this isn't adding. This is just delay. I prefer comedies to not be well over two hours. One twenty is right. An hour twenty is the right time. It's hard. Hour twenty or an hour thirty in that range is like Sandler's so good in that movie. We're good. I agree. Back I like to the future. We're good. One twenty. I like a short movie. I like a short comedy. Yeah. But some of that's fat. Other movies that are too long, it's not fat. It's just like, oh, no, these are all good. But how many filmmakers do you want to see a two-hour, 45-minute film from? Not many. That, that's how long it was, 240. Yeah. That's an hour 10 over, like, the minimum. Well, okay, so who, like, is there any, Scorsese, I'm down to see a Scorsese movie that long. I guess. No, the, Scorsese, I won't go, I won't go. The Wolf of Wall Street was three hours, and that flew by. Right. Scorsese, you're also like, I'm sure you are feeling the pressure to make this shorter. So the fact that you're not is not you just you being pompous. The fact that you're not is like, no, no, I need this. You know, it's like a comic who makes an hour, 30 minute special. We're like, are you sure? I don't like it. And if they are sure, then okay. Yeah, I just, I, I prefer short sets always just because like who has the fucking time at, for mm-hmm. anything but like look you're right if if they're sure then that's the show that's their choice and that's yeah. their show and I respect that yeah but I, but yeah longer is harder but then think about it. with movies it's different because think about how often we'll just watch like a whole series in one sitting oh, like, yeah. a, like a whole right. season of a show do you see that um, what was the movie with the, the show with Seth not Seth Rogen 
Who's the fat one from that crew? Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill and the chick. I couldn't girl. get into it, man. You don't Emma Stone? What? Yeah, I'm, Emma Stone. I love her and I love him, but I couldn't get into it. Okay, I liked it. But like I felt that they were just it was just stylish as fuck. It and was it had, so stylish. But it had no soul to me. It had no it didn't grab me in any way and uh Interesting. Apparently I'm Rex Reed now. But uh no, I really uh I really couldn't I couldn't like there were great moments and I I loved how damaged they both were and how they were just so lonely yeah. and seeking and like, for, are you real? But just the seeking of companionship in any way and like how angry she was and how vulnerable he was. I I really liked both of them. Yeah. But I the story went nowhere. What was it, the name of that show? I forgot. Me too. But it went nowhere. I wanted to like it so much cuz I really I love both of them. And I love that other actor uh, from The Leftovers. And I love that director who did The True Detective. The guy who was the main fucked up guy who was always jerking off. Was that Justin Thoreau? Maybe. I don't know that. I met him. I told you. I met him at, a, at Aziz's. And he, uh, it was right after Aziz's Aziz. party? Yeah. And Aziz like, yelled at me for using his master bathroom. And I was like, is that Justin Thoreau? <laughs> after I just dropped a log in his. <laughs> oh, boy. I love how fucked up you were after that Aziz party. It was a you mess. You were gone. You were pickle eating gone. I was eating pickles. I was that hungover. Man, I was, uh, I didn't even poop in his bathroom. I wish I did for the story, but I just peed. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was so hungover, man. Yeah. I was fucking lit up. Um, okay, let me bring this up. Because I think, so, did you see Aziz special? I, I saw it. I opened for him on the road sometimes, so but I, I didn't actually watch. Yeah. I watched the opening because I wanted to see, of course, like how it was shot. And it's weird when you see someone special live or not like at the taping, but like earlier, like in the in the six months prior. It's hard for me to watch and then you're like, after I've, I've seen, seen it recorded, live. It's like, but I saw it at its best. I saw it actually there. Exactly. And, and no recording is going to do it justice like being there. Totally. Uh, so that was kind of like I think it would only – would have made me think less, and that's yeah. not a knock on the special. Just live comedy is live, the, it's the best. Is the best. But, I, you say how but I've talked to a lot of contrarian type comics who I thought felt pretty good about his special. But you know, I, I live. I, I think it's his best stuff for sure. Why? What do you think? Okay. So we're talking about. So you could have done your show in virtual. This is not happening. They said we want to try to experiment in virtual reality, which uh-huh. would have meant putting a camera tower on stage with like eighteen cameras around it. Yeah. So you can get every direction. And the point was, you can get up with the virtual reality goggles and look around the room, go to the bathroom, go to the back where people are hanging out, do stuff like that. But I'm like, all that is giving people options to not watch the stand-up comic. You know what else is interesting us. about that is like, it's almost like the story was written to be heard in a way and to be experienced through you, not through anything else. It's right. like, I remember I watched a Lily Tomlin special where she did Search for, Intelligent Li- uh, Search for Science of Intelligent Life. And she acted it out with like a scene. And it was not nearly as good as when she just acted it out where she did all the characters. Yeah. Because it was written that way. And I was like, oh, that's when she's at her best, when she's, when she's controlling everything. So, I mean, I, I, for me, it was written a certain way. You should experience it that way. You, right, exactly. And like, not even, it's just, it, it distracts. What you want is shots of you with the most minimizing of distractions because you can't ever get to the live experience that's like what they said uh, that little girl said in this movie you know what i mean that Where little like, girl was so good she was so fucking she good. killed it she killed she was so i don't good. think any role no one was missed that's what you got to give tarantino credit for a always having a killer killer soundtrack always timothy the, oliphant that little girl 
killer soundtrack. Right, always he has a killer soundtrack. But the, yeah, you're right. The cast is it was perfect. There's nobody like. All right. There's no one who you say didn't fit. Even the director, who I don't know who the director was, but he was perfect. Of the show. Of the show yeah. that he was on? Yeah. So good. That, that I mean, was great. But Oh, I was going to say earlier, I don't know what I was going to say, when she leans in and was like, that was the best. Because he's already decided she is what I should be, but I'm not anymore. Right. And she goes... That was the best acting I've ever I seen loved in that. my life. That was so satisfying because you're, yeah. you're pulling for him so hard. He's got such demons. And the director right before that was like, that was great. We don't need any more. And he's like, okay, all right, cool, cool. After he fucked up the night before. And when she comes in, this little tw- eight-year-old, and goes, that was the best I've ever seen in my life. And he like teared up. And he was like, oh, y- you get it. You're a real actor. Yeah, it was. It was so like, I care about. I don't care about this director. I care about you. This it was like an ode. It was like an ode to Hollywood. It was like an old to an ode to like. He Tarantino always shows love to like a B movie type of uh-huh. mentality where like he he always gets actors that aren't at their peak, kind of, which That's I think Zoe is lady. so cool. Yeah, out on the way down, Tarantino. I mean, not in this one, Jackie Brown, but who's like done? Forrester, Robert Forrester. But like, he's you're so. Finished. But but uh, uh, or or. But or, Forrester's um, brilliant in Jackie Brown. Um, who Travolta? We're like you're of finished. Course. You're finished. But in this one, he gets Pitt and, and and Leo. But then he also these guys aren't done. Still gave a little cameo to Michael Madsen. Like we kind of both laughed. Yeah. I mean, there's still moments. I mean, he's still. I mean, what's his name? The the actor who passed away, who's the villain in Kill Bill. David Carradine. Was he in this? No, no, but in Kill Bill, I'm saying like these are actors who are not at their peak, right. but They're he gets dumb. actors. He's like, they were great. You guys got to watch them. He's, it's almost like a, a, a comic who's bringing an opener who's like, you should see this guy. And you forgot amazing. about they this got a guy. guy who's now big on Homeland and Billions to play Steve McQueen, who was also that guy, which I think a lot of people like, is Steve McQueen a name? Who is he? I don't Steve know McQueen? No, no, I know him. But, yeah. like, I think a lot of people watching this movie would be like, I've heard that name, but I don't know what he is. Oh, yeah. And so the, just to have a cameo as Steve McQueen, there's no reason. They're pulling into the Playboy Mansion. There's no reason to have Steve McQueen greeting those people. Yeah. But I think that's Tarantino's way of saying, this would have been one of those guys I would have tried to, re- like, rejuvenate and work with. He's dead. But, like, I always love Steve McQueen. True. You know and, what I mean? And he also... He also just like loves Hollywood. You can feel it. Like awesome. he's like loves old, the way we love comedy. He loves old Hollywood, and that's I love that man. I, like you feel his love in the filmmaking. It's like eating yeah. a meal from a chef who just fucking cares about the ingredients, and you're like, oh, that was so and, satisfying. And in this one, he's shooting the the spatiality of Hollywood. So like when they get on the freeway, that's the freeway exit. Just because I live there, that's the freeway exit on Sunset and. Where the 101 meets the sunset. Like right near, there's a, what's near there? A Del Taco? No. You're asking the wrong dude. Yeah. Anyway, but it's the one on sunset right when you get off from near the Hollywood You could just Bowl. ask me where and in Nebraska. exit, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I've been on these, uh, Muso and Franks and, and El Coyote. And like, Is that a cool spot, El Coyote? It's cool. Yeah. All right, I got to hit that and, up. And it's just like, that, that, that neon billboard, that's still there. Yeah, but I do like too when he w- was shooting uh, Hollywood Boulevard, where I'm like, "Wow, you didn't really have to remake a lot of these signs. These are like this is what it is now." How about and when it- they lit up an old Taco Bell logo? That was pretty cool. When was that? 
that was one just one shot they had like it was an old taco bell they just opened it was like an old movie theater they just opened it was all these cool shots i thought it was like man this is it's kind of just beautiful like he doesn't waste a moment like and also the amount of like weird the the directions of the shots were like it's kind of coming from a like over you or like how many shots where you're just like man this probably took so much extra work with that in mind yeah when he fucked up the line that scene it comes around timothy oliphant and then and he goes i forget what he says i forget what he says if you remember tell me but i don't know it comes around and he's like yeah he was something and then he goes yeah and and then dicaprio was like yeah yeah, whatever it's like line and he goes all right take it over take it over go from once and they reset so the camera that's filming it for the tv show is the camera that we're watching it through right and they go back to ones and Timothy Elephant nails it again because he's a, a now working actor. And they come around, and then DiCaprio says a line the correct way. But they're mi- they're not like mirroring it. We're we're not watching actors. We're watching the characters. Watching the show. That's yeah, we're watching the show. That's a great observation, man. Another yeah. one I saw just like that was in the very beginning when they're doing the credits, and Brad. They get into Brad Pitt's car. He has his hand on the back of DiCaprio's seat. He's backing up. And it goes on the credits. Leonardo DiCaprio on the left, Brad Pitt on the right. But it's not them. In the movie, it's Brad Pitt on the left and DiCaprio on the right. Oh, that's interesting. I missed that. I think I was in the bathroom for that. No, you were there. You got there. I was there? Yeah. But you couldn't tell because it was kind of half dark. So it said with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. But the Leonardo DiCaprio is over Brad Pitt's, the back of his head. And the Brad Pitt is over the back of Leonardo DiCaprio's head. I wonder why they did that. There's definitely a reason. Yeah. I don't know. I don't there's know There's definitely either. a reason. And it's definitely about a key to understanding the whole movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so, it's so Louis enjoyable. Would Louis would know why they did that. Louis? Yeah. He's a fucking, he's into that shit. He would know. That's so true. I, yeah, I really, I mean, we're giving up spoilers. I'm glad they both live. This is called Spoiler Podcast. I'm just glad they both live. Because I, I, it was like, they both are dying in a sense, career-wise. Yeah. So you're kind of like, to, right. kill, to kill Brad them. Brad Pitt's been fired. He's like, you got to find a real job. Maybe he's a handyman or what's something. What's he going to do? Yeah, what's, what's he going to do? Leonardo DiCaprio is like, I'm going to do some shitty acting. I have my wife. I'm done kind of too. I can't have a... Whatever anymore. And he might sell the place, which yeah. sucks. Which like, dude, the guy lives next to Sharon Tate. You know, he's going to have a fun social life now. And then he comes around at the end. He's like, he might actually get a role from Polanski. I hope. You hope, yeah. Maybe, so he, who, maybe, he's, both done. maybe he gets Chinatown. Yeah. What were you going to say? They were both done, but. Well, I just didn't want. You're kind of rooting for them at that point. Because you, cause you kind of. Tarantino's so good at making you feel for any character, right? So Brad Pitt. Leo, the, neither of them are perfect guys. They're both flawed guys. They're both kind. Of, I mean, Leo's character is kind of a narcissist in his own way, and and Brad Pitt's character has maybe a shady past and a dark past. But you still think like he's an honorable guy in his own way. Like they go out of the way to show that. Like he's not going to sleep with this woman or get a blowjob from this woman who's underage. Right. He, he wants to make sure this guy that he thinks he might once knew he's brave. He goes to check in on him, so he goes in to that. Uh, apartment knowing that he could get hurt because so, he's like 
I'm going to check on George. He's brave. I'm going to check on George. So you kind of like... like, now he's sleeping. It's like... Mm, this is not a move that either of us strange. would do. We would not do that move. We would get the fuck out of there, you and I. Yeah, I'd be like, okay. But, but this character's and a he's brave not even like, dude. Does George... And, George Shalom or like, nah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll go. Yeah, we, you and I would be cowards. We'd be cowards. But or we also should be cowards. deniability. Like, I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. I don't think we would do anything. But he's a we brave would. character. He's the best character. He was really a cool he's, guy. His whole existence is taking care of a guy who's complaining about his life is now so bad that it's better than my own life. It's so bad, but he lives in a trailer. Right. So he's like... Don't worry, Leonardo DiCaprio. You're still doing okay. Don't complain. It'll be okay. But it's like, dude, even if it's the worst, you're still doing way better than me. Yeah. But he's still able to be like, I'm with you. I'm here to help you feel good about yourself. I'm on Team Leo. Yeah, and and in a weird way, he is good to him, right? Because he keeps him employed. I know he's not keeping him rich or anything, but at least he's taking... They do have a, a kinship in a way. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, he. But I like what they say. It. Less than a brother, but more than a friend. Is that what they said? They said more than a brother, but less than a wife. Less than a wife. Yeah, that's what it was. But then also, don't you feel that way with so many comics? Like, like being a brother to someone. Like I love my brother, but like I don't see him that often. I feel like I see mm-hmm. comics so much. Yeah. <laughs> like there's this weird relationship. You see your work friends. And in comedy, obviously, is a more more intimate. than like your legit like is my best friend from high school. Right? Who I see four times a year. But in comedy or in their relationship, there's to me a similarity where it's like there's an overlap of work and play. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he like, was like, "You're my stunt double. I'll get you a job, and we'll hang out here." But also, they're getting fucked up to get fucked up together. It's like I mean, that's I mean, we're getting drunk right now, dude. I mean, there's like a thing where like we don't see each other a ton but when we see each other there's like a fucking thing where we like it's easy to fall back into you and i all of us oh yeah all of us for sure i mean last night i saw you and we like it's never weird that was so fun making fun of kimowitz's uh relatives and friends doing shitty eulogies and me you list and sarah Kind of quiet, and even Bobby Kelly quietly mocking it. <laughs> but well, like, look, we were paying respect, but at the same time, we're still comedians, right? So I, I mean, we're not we're not mocking. I mean, fuck, what happened to Dave? If you haven't seen the story oh. in the Times and the Post, is one of the most horrible things I've ever ever seen. So you know, horrible and such a sweet guy, but then some of these speeches, you're just like, you know, brevity is key on these things. Here, here's what I saw. I don't know if you saw this. If people paused for a second in a good moment that could have been an ending, the crowd would be like, we want you to end, and they would start clapping, and everyone would start clapping in the hopes that they would be like, thank you very much, and get off. But we're grateful for the contribution because it's so nice, yeah. but then also some people like Jay and DeRosa went up and killed so yeah. hard, They were so, but then not everyone does that, you know, so yeah. it's tough. I thought Paul Verzi's had some moving stuff. I, I was moved by what Paul said, you know. It's tough if you want to see some moving stuff, but you also want to like... Here's what I thought too. You, when you get to like the good moments where it wasn't moving, like Jay's or DeRosa's, where like you're joking about, like Jay's, like I don't know, we had some friends from fucking Jewish archery camp. So funny. And you're laughing, and as you're laughing, you're like, "That's very funny." Like that Kimowitz was this like real Jew. He really was, you know, not like you, but like more like me, like a more like what I used to be, a, a just a Jew. Yeah. With a Jewish world. Do you, you not know? see me as a Jew? Barely, really, barely. I, I'm a culturally. Like, Sam, I was like, "Oh, Sam's a Jew," but like, not like, 
No, you're you're much more. You grew up much more religious than I did. But that Kim Woods goes to sleepaway camp. I went to sleepaway camp. Oh, okay, great. I I did. All right. I I'm, Jew- I'm Jewy than you think oh, I am. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> you know, a father that's so not Jewy. No, I had a stepdad though who was the best dad oh, ever. I, I mean, my stepdad was the best dad. I didn't know that. Seriously, the best dad ever. Amazing guy. But I he's love talking him. about Kim Woods and laughing. <laughs> I believe you. Um, <laughs> well, I feel like you didn't even know the biological dad thing. I feel like that's in my act. No, I that's did a, not know. It's crazy. I, I you know that. I, I, I mean, cause I feel like we're pretty good friends. So I feel yeah. like it's, it's. But then also, comics, I feel like connect through viewpoint and through rather than experience, right? Like, we're like, where did that girl grow up? I'm like, I don't know, but he's one of my best friends. I have well, no idea where he grew up. But don't you I don't feel know where like, Nate grew up? But I love Nate. Well, that's the thing is like I we can, we connect now. through we connect through stories and and views and and things like he that. He also feels the same way I do about this thing. But also, just we connect through conversation yeah. and 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 he, this person's fun to talk shit with. It's not a wicked. We're not Wikipedia pages. We're we're people in in a, in a different way. So I I they're they're some of my best friends. I don't know a ton about their upbringing, but I'm so connected to them and who they are and their spirit and like. You yeah. know, so I I love that. You Somebody know, Somebody from Ralphie's life was shitting on me because like I didn't know like both his kids' names, and they were like, "Oh, you're not." I thought you were friends with Ralphie. I'm like, "Yeah, I don't give a shit about his where his sperm went." That's had nothing to do with my friendship with Ralphie. We smoke weed, fucking great together. And but also, together. but also, you connect in deeper ways. Deeper I think. ways, and then like, tell me about yourself. That's not that's not who what you like about a person. But also, like, just because you didn't know their kid's name doesn't mean you didn't love him and you didn't care about him. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't know like, Lewis's mom's name. I know Lewis would have my back if I got into a fight. Oh, Lewis would have a homeless person's back if he got into a fight because Lewis just wants to fight. <laughs> but, uh, no, I've seen Lewis is one of the most loyal friends. So loyal. I, I have so much love for Lewis. And um, I, I remember him just, CB's Comedy Club, years ago, a guy was heckling Norman and he pulled him outside and shamed him in front of his girlfriend. It was one of the most beautiful things wow. I've ever seen. That's when I was like, oh, I, I got oh. this. It's like having Kevin Garnett on your team in the playoffs. I want this guy in my corner. <laughs> I want him in my corner. You're like, as long as he's on my side, I think yeah. we'll be okay. I don't care. If, I don't want him on someone else's corner. I don't want him neutral. <laughs> I want him on my corner, in my corner. But no, so, Lewis is, is yeah. special. I love so him. So let me ask you this. I'm kind of half thinking about this right now after sure. seeing the movie. Back to the movie. Sure. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We've died. We've, we we digress so many times, yeah. man. When is the last time we did this? Whiplash, right? So much fun. Wait, You're a fun wait, movie wait. guy. What? You're a fun movie guy. I like what I like. You're, like I have my my movie friends in New York. I feel like Ryan Hamilton's one of them. I feel like you're one of them. I feel like it's, Louis's one of them for you. I saw you talk to Louis once about some movie, and he was like, "Oh, what about that?" I've never gone to a movie with Louis, but we he's we shared me. He shared me. Well, Louis loves movies so much. I remember he told me to see California Split, and that was one I was so grateful I saw California Split with Elliot Gould. I love Elliot Gould so much. Um, I'm a Jew. You, you act like I'm not a Jew. I love Elliot Gould. I said fucking Jew. Uh, <laughs> Elliot Gould, not of you. <laughs> great movie, though. Long Goodbye, another great Elliot Gould movie. Okay, so, oh, here's what I'm going to say about Aziz. Before, sure. People were looking for him, blogs were looking for him to talk about that shit. Sure. And he did a little bit. I thought his best way of talking about it, not the special, Live. I haven't seen the whole special. I only saw like 15 minutes. Yeah. The best way of talking about it was what he did with that Pizza Hut. Um, because it showed his anger. Swastika slash it showed That bit showed his anger without saying I'm angry. Without saying this is about me, but it still like got to like, 
draw the bridge. Walk over the bridge. You it was understand a, this is about me. And I don't want to say it, but this is about me. I don't like bits that play tricks on the audiences as much. And, and I do. I love them. I don't, but... If you uh, really nail it. So, go ahead. Yeah, if you nail it, of course. And he nailed it. He nailed but, it. I, but I don't normally like bits where the joke is like a magic trick where it's like, aha. You know what I mean? I like when it's a misdirect and it's clever. But I feel like he... In that joke, you shame a person, one person in the crowd, which I don't care for. No, that I don't care for. But it was really we could all see from that bit. Oh, I've done that too. It was, but it was Fuck, a very. I shouldn't rush to judgment. It was a very smart and revealing bit. Absolutely, and and it, it was revealing about our culture and like how we jump to conclusions. And I've done it, and you've Based done on, it, absolutely. and we've all done it. She's the lion. I'm like that guy needs to be fucking. Excited. So I I respected that bit because it came from a place of of hurt. It was and art. anger. It really was art to me. Where it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. so high noon. You ever see that? You, of course you have. And I haven't. You should. But it was a guy. You, you see Chinatown. I'll see high noon, okay. and we'll and we'll come back to okay. this. <laughs> By the way, me and Adrian want to start. You should be with us. Book club. I would love that. We're gonna choose a book. I would fucking love yeah, that, and we're gonna all discuss it. That would we be might so meet fun. Halfway through, and then we might meet at the end. We'll figure out the details. I love it. But really, like a bunch of comics gonna talk. We'll assign each other a book. How fun would that be? It's so fun. And then like, let's talk about it. I love having, because I love, because so many of you guys give me the best recommendations. You really, it's like, I, you know. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I love that. Yeah. So with I'm a little drunk. I'm slowing yeah, down me now. Too, me too. I haven't eaten today. <laughs> All right. I'll, I had like I'll, an egg I'll, sandwich. I gave two bites and that was it. I was like, enough. It's my fucking popcorn. <laughs> well, I also had like an egg sandwich and I was like, fuck it. Um, Aziz handled that through art. He wasn't saying, this is my situation. He was just like, look at this, and if you want, you can point that to my life and do all the math you need to do. It was really good. It was observational. And the blogs writing about it was, was really, which I think sucks, because blogs that are writing about stand-up specials never go. 90% of this blog will be about how funny this was, and 10% will be about the extra details. Yeah. So, it seemed like... This is his first Tarantino movie without Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. He used Roman Polanski in a way. Wow. Work this out with me. I love this. I love where you're going with this already. He was never with a 12-year-old or 14-year-old in this movie. He was with a young Sharon Tate mm-hmm. who was, what's her name? Margot Robbie. Who's super hot. I mean, adult, 20, she is 27-year-old. one of the most gorgeous like actresses. Gorgeous. And a great actress. Incredible in Itania. I think part of him is saying... This is the guy that I knew. It's not always the 14-year-old. It's, look at him. He's just an actor. That is he, fucking great, dude. You that's know what a, I mean? That's a great observation. And he's not showing him as, as the test case. He's showing him as a human. And I think maybe that was his way of commenting on Harvey Weinstein, where it's like, maybe here or there, but here's what I knew him of. I knew him as the guy who was just, the guy who was just great, a normal dude, sure. And I don't know, maybe he ran into trouble. I don't really know about those. I obviously, know about him I normally. Mean, Harvey Weinstein, obviously, a far, in my opinion, a far. I mean, if we're doing degrees, a sure. far worse predator than far worse Roman degree. Polanski, in my opinion. But moments of like, he just liked to hook up with actresses. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what he was saying exactly, but I, know I think he was I think abuse of power in the way that Weinstein Weinstein sure. had so many yeah. more offenses. Polanski is to me a more vulnerable character, where he he's he survived this hardship that was just I think 
I think there was no way to overcome. I think yeah. when when someone you love is murdered in that way, I think I think in terms of your psyche, you don't come back from that. And I and I for that I will never not feel for him. But for what he did is it's still not okay. So so you you have this kind of. Uh, he was also saying that you have, but sorry, you have this part of your character that's is so. It's not one thing. It's just so three dimensional. It's not one thing. But we're, we're Weinstein to me, as talented as he was as a f- producer, has been reduced to one thing because of what he did. So Polanski to me, it's a it's a very interesting connection you bring up. But to up. Tarantino. I doubt he saw that version of Harvey Weinstein. Of course not. He saw the guy who was like, can you help me make this beautiful Dude, I had art? a manager who was like, I was like, this guy's a scumbag. I knew he had a bad rep, but I never saw that. I mean, I left the guy, but I knew I knew he, he was always so polite and kind to me. And, and of course, you, you distance yourself at a certain point but uh, when you hear stuff, but... Of course not, dude. I mean, yeah. It's 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 so painful to to act like it's not painful to hear that your friend did that and to just act like you need to turn him that second is not human. Because you need a grieving process because it's like a loss in a way. Absolutely. And, and, like and this guy I loved is no longer this guy that I Well, he did horrible things. It's almost like finding out it's not to the same extent, but it's almost like finding out your friend was a murderer. I mean, what Harvey Weinstein did is so shitty. I mean, it's like imagine being super close with Bill Cosby and not knowing what he did. Oh, I talked to Owen Smith about this. Yeah. And just like, what do you do? He's like, I don't know, man. He always helped me. He was always nice and offered comedy advice. He was a great comic who offered comedy advice. And you can appreciate that they were so kind to you, but you have to understand that they're evil. Right. That doesn't negate the comedy advice. When Bill Cosby, the advice is real, dude. No one's denying Bill Cosby. No one's denying Cosby's genius as a comic. We're denying that his humanity is connected to. I mean, he's not a good human. It was interesting to see how he used Roman Polanski, who was this shit on guy, in his first movie after the Harvey Weinstein stuff. How much do you think? He, it had to be intentional. Do you think it was... But you talk about his knowing what he's going to make in advance. I mean, maybe he wanted the murder so bad that he didn't even... That it was, it was a maybe, coincidence. But Sharon Tate was the big part of that murder. So it was, Polanski wasn't murdered Sharon in that. Tate, man. But as an uh, actress, I'm like... But Harvey Polanski... Warren Polanski... What, what was he in the... In when the is sh- there going to be a, a true crime about that there's so many true crime shows right well think about how many true crimes are we get the jinx we get making a murder we get um we get all uh, of the dollop did you see the new one i love you now die no what was that one oh my god it's on hbo treat yourself which i feel guilty that's how i recommend it to you but uh it's so i mean it's phenomenal it's so well made and it says so much about the american crime system and about how we jump to conclusions and the, and and the yeah. harshness. Oh, you, I love you. Not, I heard about how great that was. You're going to love both it. angles. You, the first episode, you're going to be like, I want this woman in prison. And the second episode, you're going to be like, this is really unfair. But that's a lot of it with Louis, with all these people. You're like, I can look at this from a different way and see, have a completely different take. Because that mob mentality lives within us. It's all boils down to me to Cecil the Lion. Cecil the lion, they're like, how could you kill this animal? And then he goes, I got a permit from the country of Zimbabwe or Zaire or whatever it was. And also, the people, how many people cared about Cecil a day before? 
Zero. It's it's 30, about 30. It's about a mob mentality that Rogan overwhelms. Rogan said it too on that, on that one because that helps me point out to a lot of them. Where like, Cecil the Lion had a black mane. A black mane means he's an old lion. To become an old lion, you have to kill many lion cubs. So you're mad about this guy killing a person, killing a lion who killed a lot of lion cubs. I don't even know that part. I just mean, you know, in terms of in terms of this mob mentality that just takes over, it's just it's exhausting and it's dangerous and it's yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it, it, we would all benefit from taking a step back and just being like let's let's take a deep breath. You're so good cuz you're not super active on social media, but like look, I look too much and I'm and I'm and it's a problem. It's people are so fucking mean. And we we look at murder in this movie with Manson and and his influence. But look at all the death threats that float on social media. I mean, look at... I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to give her more problems. But the one most recently. My friend, and she opens for me on the road all the time. And she's such a gifted comic. And that's what really hurts me is that she's so good at what she does. You have to go through this crazy mental problem now. Her, her, Her and her mom's address were docs. So it was leaked on line and she was given death threats over a inoffensive joke and and it's that's and it's just a piling on so i've had a couple times in the last but what's to stop people from doing that to a tarantino movie like what's to stop people from doing that to i mean th- people and art need to be protected and and she wasn't i don't feel and I don't, I don't blame any person in particular. I feel like Comedy Central got blamed when they shouldn't have been blamed. They're generally, and I've had my problems with them for sure. For sure. They've always risen to the occasion on defending people who are going through an E-rage. Well, people blame Comedy Central for pulling the joke, but it's like her management asked to pull the joke because she was getting death threats. It's not yeah. Comedy Central. And then also Comedy Central provided security, but at a certain point, you got to... There needs to be new laws against harassment th- on think, social right, media. I think the, like doxing your parents shouldn't just be like you're off Twitter. I think you should be like you should be arrested for that. You can't do that. You need to be arrested for that. You can't send out someone's email because it'll give them such mental anguish that it's like unfair. So I've had a couple times in the last few months where I've had to go to somebody and be like, "Hey, I talked to you about you in person on on in public, you know, and I didn't understand how much that fucking brings to you." With comedians, yeah, and I'm like, I'm sorry. You have to I apologize. That. Yeah, that's person, good that you did that. Where I'm like, I respect that, that you did that because that takes that takes a big person. To, you're, you know, you're a thoughtful person. I think it's important to to make peace with not just other people but with yourself with on yourself, stuff yeah. like that. Because even if I'm like, oh no, I'm right. But to say it in that platform brings more pain to you than I think. Even needs if to you're, be even if you're right. You need to um, you need to realize the amount of people on social media that are crazy and misread crazy, exactly. misread that and then just attack the person. That's what yelling at a fire is in a crowded theater. It's not you yelling fire, haha. It's funny. I thought it was fire. It's the stampede. What what happened? Who? What, you don't have to say the person's name, but did, did the person forgive you for this? Or pause for a second. Tell you. Okay. Yeah, Dina is so. Ah! Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's okay. She's so funny. So it it's tough because she she uh, I've known her for so long and I've seen her jokes just develop and she works so hard. She's fucking funny. And she also is just like the best person. So 
Um, I mean, what's it going to take to give you fucking people to give a, a hilarious Muslim woman a break? Like, how? Like, are you fucking kidding me? But like, the backlash is so hard with the dosing of her mother, shit like that, where it's like saying something publicly is not fair to what you're trying to do. If I'm trying to say, hey, Sam, that wasn't cool. If I call the I, – I, let's, okay, let's say this. Let's say I was hanging out with you and a bunch of friends and, and like, oh, you were, it was lame. You went out. You kept going out to the bathroom to do coke. And, and we were all hanging out and you kept going to the bathroom for some lame dude to do coke. If you told that to the cops, I'm now getting arrested right. for doing coke. Yeah, you're a snitch. You know what I mean? You're a fucking snitch. Right, but like all that you comic, That comic James Davis is a snitch. Yes. He's a snitch. I don't know him, and I don't have any ill will towards him, but he's a snitch for what he did to her. And and I really, I don't, I really don't even hate the guy. I don't I, hate the guy. I was like, you're misled from your addiction to likes. Totally. I, I, from what I heard, he's not a bad guy. I like but, him. But yeah, I bet I would like the guy. But he did yeah. something really bad to someone who I care about a lot, and yeah. it has affected her life in a really horrible way. And I, she opened for me on Saturday. We talked about it for hours. And How is she like, doing now? She's not doing great. You know, it's not great. So it's tough. It's the same thing with the guy we're talking about before. And I don't want to bring these names up because it's yeah. like nothing. But it's like, you have no idea the mental anguish something brings to somebody. It's almost like Gaddafi, where you're like, I fucking cut him in the side. You're like, oh, dude, that guy was already going to be dead. PTSD has been under-investigated for people that have dealt with these things. And I think we'll, we'll have studies in a few years where it sees the anguish they've been through, but, but we, it's easy to cancel people and forget it's a death sentence in a way, you know, it it is. So I, I think be careful who you turn on, on social media and how harshly you turn on them because you're sicking people on them who are not like you. Yeah. You're sicking people on them who are dangerous and who have less to lose than you and you're fucking with their life. So it, and, to me, going, if you do that, you're fucking scum. No, I don't think you're scum. I think you haven't realized the actual what's happening here. If you're sending her threats in any way. Oh, if you're sending her threats. But the people who bring it up are like, well, I don't know that's going to happen. You ever read um, that John Ronson book? It's a great book. The So You've Been Publicly Shamed. It's a, he's a great writer. And the lady who like took a picture of those two guys behind her making dongle jokes, when, when like, aren't you upset with what happened? I'm like, no, they got what they deserve. It's like, I think you are upset. Don't ruin their lives over Don't ruin that, their though. lives over what you should be like. Stop it. Like, I'm really sorry. Like, but that was bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We no, can really we can connect with the punishment. We can connect with people and correct behavior by connecting with them and saying, Hey, that wasn't cool to do. And it's okay to be offended, but to try to destroy people's lives is completely different. So my friend who was name I won't say was yeah. friends he was one of my early like groups in Myanmar when I was backpacking. He told me the story, and this is a story that was corrected on its own. So nobody, that's why I'm not saying his name. He went out to a frat night, you know, or a sorority night, whatever. And this chick that he was, like, flirting with, who he's probably going to fuck, um, had one of her friends, and her friend was fat. And he was like, who brought the cow? And the friend that he was going to fuck, that he was, like, flirting with over and over again for the last couple of weeks, was like, that's fucking bullshit. That's my friend Megan. You're a fucking asshole. And she never fucked a guy. So they never had sex. And he felt bad about it. And he doesn't do that anymore. And so it was corrected. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
that kind of behavior of judging someone based we on need to punish looks. all these Listen. people through lack of sex that's the best way and then make him into terrorists yeah. am I right <laughs> but if you publicly throw that guy out and yeah. shame him then he's like now he's dealing with way more he's already not going to do it again it's a good point I mean I think we have to like think of people as humans not, as humans and not like punishment is one thing but to, to destroy people to me is 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 dangerous yeah and and believe me i'm not defending any of this behavior or anything but like with jokes with in in the case we're bringing up with jokes this comic who we, we both like and you're i think you're trying she, to find funny and you're trying to bring joy to people's this lives through entertainment she there was She's nothing malicious fine. in what she was saying. There was nothing malicious. So if it happened to her, it could happen to any of us. And I think we got to be supportive of one another. So and I called her, um, and I'm gonna and I called a, a few other people. I'm not gonna say who, but like during their time of whatever, I I don't I didn't know Aziz's number. I don't know him, but the people who I do know who I'm like, oh, I have your email address, which means I must have known you. You gotta send out an email like, hey man, you're cool in my book. I'm sorry you're going through this. Obviously, not, you don't say this part, but obviously nothing I can do to stop this. But just letting you know, I'm a comic and I'm fine with you. You know what I mean? It means a lot. It means because you think everyone's against you. I mean, I got a so yeah, you hate over a joke. It. and it, Not on the Which level one? of a lot of people. I didn't the joke where I, where I said, you know, uh, the joke was an old joke. I'd say, you know, I was sleeping with a black girl and while we were having sex. She kept dropping the N-word. She kept saying, no. During and, an offensive comedy show. Yeah. But then I also said, I paused and I said, uh, you guys were all scared I was going to say the N-word. And then you're all like, thank God, rape joke. Yeah. So that joke would kill. Because it was, it was, you know, it was a good joke because it kind of pointed out the hypocrisy of just like the danger of words versus like actual Actuals. racism. Yeah. Right? So it, I, I always thought it was a good joke. You know, I stopped telling it obviously a long time ago, but not for any reason other than I was like, I'm done with that joke and I'm moving on. But like... um. But some of the hatred I got from that joke, and I was like, you don't understand my intent. My intent is to bring laughter and to bring, you know, it's if nothing to hurt someone. I would never, ever write a joke to, like, let me hurt someone with this joke. You're not aiming at anyone. anyone. But a lot of this mob reads it as our intent is bad and that, and I just you want to tell them you don't understand so I have this list of, I can't remember it right now but I've, I've written it down and I've had it in my memory the four or five mistakes that the E-Rage makes what, what do you mean? so when there's a mob there's an E-Mob e right. an electronic mob right. these are the mistakes they make one they see everything in a vacuum so if you said this they negate that you said the opposite a week ago they only see this statement. You said Trump's not so bad. You must love Trump. Like, but the last 10, 10 tweets I made were anti-Trump. Right. They see it in a vacuum. Only this one tweet. So it's servicing only their movement. Right. So they'll ignore like the entirety of your auteur or whatever you call it. Sure. Two, they see, and this is the one I want to talk about. There's a couple others I can't remember right now. Um, they only see the worst possible understanding of this joke, this statement. They can't see... Well, he could have just meant actually. When he says uh, "you people" is a good example of that. You people. you people are all the same. Do you mean you people? This guy's a lawyer, so you lawyers. Or I'm going to see it as is a black lawyer, so you people must mean black people. It's interesting that comedy is. I wouldn't even call it an art form because of how we're treated in that regard. But like, isn't it interesting that there's no other 
thing that people see things so black and white. Like films and music, I feel like there's much more, um, or art or anything, there's much more, uh, there's much more, well, well, I think this is what he might have meant. Yeah. There's much more of a black and white, I mean, a a gray area rather, not black and white. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. But don't you think like with, uh, with comedy for whatever reason, because the laugh is so, the punchline is so obvious that we're treated as if... It might be because we're speaking as under our own name, as our own voice. So like if Leonardo DiCaprio in, in um, Django Unchained is playing a slave owner, but you're like, he's playing a part. His role, his role is not named well, won't you say Leonardo this, DiCaprio. Actors get all the credit and none of the blame, whereas comics get... All the way we get the credit, credit, but we also get all of the blame, and it's kind of interesting. I hate when they're like, I don't like when comics are, it's only jokes. I'm like, no, it's not only jokes. What they're doing, what these people who are angry at us are doing, are saying, your words are super important. Which I'm like, yeah, thank you for respecting what we do. Right? But don't take us out of context. Leave in eight minutes later when I mentioned how black people are better than Jews in some sense, or, or you know what I mean? Leave all that in. Well, take, out, take into account how, how important our words are. Take them all into if account. If you're going to write a takedown piece of me, incorporate my whole body of work, please. Exactly. And, so then uh, like, fucking who cares what they say? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's rarely a takedown piece with a ton of credibility, because if you're doing that, you're not much of a journalist, yeah, generally, you're looking right? For the angriest as well. You're looking for Trevor a, Noah's racist tweets. Like, piece. fuck off. Trevor Noah is—he's the wh- safest guy in the world. You're writing about his ain't racist, but he's also a pretty thoughtful guy. I mean, whether you like his comedy or not, he's a pretty insightful, kind person. So, so to take him down in that way is—it's like you're an idiot. You—it's it, like whenever someone gets SNL and you're like, what tweets are they going to dig up? Well, you now only, what they do is before they announce who got it, they go over your tweet Twitter and they're like, let's. Delete all the fucking. Well, then I guess we're never going to get it, Ari. I guess it's over. Yeah, but <laughs> well, we don't. Neither one of us do characters or impressions. No, but we could be a good weekend update team. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, especially with that haircut. We could look like, a funny like <laughs> shtick. Um. So anyway, back to this. Yeah, I think Tarantino was talking about Harvey Weinstein by using Har- Polanski as a character. I don't know if it's true. It's a, it's a great observation that to, to bring in someone and try to bring a gray area to what they went through. Possibly, it was like, here's a guy who you all know is this, but I'm just showing as a guy who lived in a in weird, my neighborhood and in a weird three way relationship with an adult. That was a dude I wanted to know. He liked to fuck a lot. I don't know, but I still think the difference is that Polanski went through just an insanely traumatizing thing, whereas. Weinstein was more of a predator. I, I look at Polanski as more, although he did predatory things, as more of a victim, whereas I look at Weinstein as more of a predator. Yeah, anyway, I wonder how much Tarantino was saying with this about Polanski, about Harvey Weinstein. I wonder if it was in his mind. It's so, so, I mean, how, how badly would you want to just talk to Tarantino? I bet he's So just, bad. You know, he hung at the cellar one night. He's friendly. Godfrey, at, for some reason, was like, why don't you ever hang at the cellar? And Tarantino was like, all right, I'll come. And How he does just, he know Godfrey? Godfrey just is a fucking yeah. social butterfly who knows everyone. And Tarantino showed up one night and hung till like 4 or 5 a.m. eating wings and was the coolest motherfucker. He liked it. He showed up to the store to watch Gerard. And you're like, oh, watch all of us. Damn. Yeah. I would. Oh, I got to tell you my, my Tarantino story. I mean. I can't believe it. It's been bottled up this long. 
Is it going to upset us? Maybe. Damn. No, right. no, it won't. I was... Jimmy Kimmel Live. Once upon a time in Ari Wood. That's what we'll call this one. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel Live. I went. Uh-huh. My friend Don Barris, who's a late night comedy store comic, who was one of my biggest influences. Yeah, he was hilarious. He's hilarious. He's the one who made me understand how you could insult people in the audience without actually insulting them. He would take like old women who were there with their, with their you know, 35-year-old daughters, and he'd be like, you dirty little slut. You know? To these like grandmothers, and they would love it because he was like, he wasn't like you dirty little slut. He wasn't saying it like he was saying it in a nice way, and they were like, oh, I've never talked about and talked like that. Anyway, he did warm up for Kimmel. He does warm up for Kimmel, and I was there. Tarantino was the host, was the guest. Morgan Murphy was the comic. She invited me, and when nice. I found out Tarantino, I love Tarantino. Morgan's was, cool. Morgan's so cool. I really like her. Any kind of E-Rage she goes through, she's like, ah, guy's a comic. I'm not dealing with it. She didn't even like comment either way. She just, but she's a sensitive soul. She's a, she's a real Totally. Boy. Totally cool. Yeah. Worst thing ever with Morgan, or we did open mics together. We were at the improv, Rogan night, and this ring card girl, Zion's girl, was like, you know, one of those super hot, like professionally hot girls. And I was staring at her. And then Morgan, in, right in front of me, like, hey, Ari, how you doing? And I'm like, get the fuck out of here, Morgan. I'm looking at someone. Anyway. What was I saying? Oh, so she was on. Tarantino was the host. Barris was the, the warm-up guy. And he was doing what he does, what he was like, however he does to get the crowd going. And one of them was, hey, who's, got a, who's been to prison? Let me hear your prison story. And he goes to Wong Pearson. He's like, ah, I got jaywalking, got arrested. Then I got let out. Oh, cool. Who else? Some guy's like, I sold weed. He was like, ah, oh, it's great. And then he saw me. And we fuck around late night at the store. Late night at the store is like, I've had my dick out more than... More than I should. You're G.G. Allen, man. Yeah, exactly. And I like saw him. I made the eye. He was way across the crowd of Kimmel. And he was like, he gave me the nod. He did one or two more. Then he slowly made his way over to me. <laughs> you know? And he knows. This is a store comic. I'm a store comic. This is not the store, but store comic, store comic. And he goes, oh, you, sir. What's your, what's, uh, what's your prison? Have you been to the store? Have you ever been to prison? And as he gives me the mic, he just, in my ear, real quick, as he gives me the mic, goes, no juice shit. No and, shit. Yeah, where it's like we can't do that here, you know. Where he's like, he tells me the line that I don't know because he works at Kimmel and I don't, you know, because we usually make make fun of Judaism. That's amazing. Though. Yeah, and I go okay, and I go, I nod, and I go, hey. So my prison story was like I was like a really good boxer, and I was like a championship level, and there was a murder, an unsolved murder, and they they came after me because they thought I was the murderer, and I actually went to jail for like a long time. Until this young... There's not even a second where I believe this story. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was right after Hurricane came out. I was just showing the plot of Hurricane. And I even heard people around me go, is this Hurricane? And, and I was like, and some young black boy uh, took up my case and uh, got me off. And he got me off. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard a couple people going, Hurricane, right? Is this Hurricane? Anyway, he goes, wow, that's crazy. Tarantino's a host. He does a segment. He did, he did two segments. Before he came out, he's staring up at the I'm, I'm three-quarters of the way up into the audience to the right side with a girlfriend and my wife at the time. And he's staring at my section, like glaring. And I'm like, this is weird. And I look around. Is there a monitor behind me that he's looking at? You know, like a screen? Nothing. And then they do a segment. Jimmy Kimmel interviews him. And then in the break, he's staring at me. And it's like, this is weird. 
And so then they do a segment where it's like a Tarantino um, um, expert, someone who knows all Tarantino works. They did a head-to-head Jeopardy competition where like, who knows Tarantino best? And this guy went against Tarantino of, wow. of, of Tarantino trivia. That's and the guy hilarious. beat him. It was great. It was great. And then Morgan hadn't gone on yet. But this had nothing to do with it. And then commercial break. And then he's staring up at me again. And I, I'm telling you, I'm 30 rows up and way to the right. So it's like I can't be for sure that he's staring at me. But he looks like he's staring right at me. Anyway, I see him call over Don Barris. And Don Barris is like talking Tarantino to him. Does? Yeah. And talking to him. And they both like looked up. And he points up at the audience. Right at me. And I'm like, what is this? Later, what? No, it was like this kid, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I got a good feeling. The Bear Jew. The Bear Jew. Um, Barris comes up after the break. They're on. They're doing it again. And Barris comes up and he goes, I was like, wait, uh, what was going on there? He goes, oh, dude, he saw you from when we like fucked around by the hurricane. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, was that guy the amazing racist? Wow. Yeah. And what did he say about it? And Don goes, yeah, that was him. And he goes, oh, yeah, I just, I just saw that shit. That's incredible. So the show ends. Morgan does her set. Show ends. Tarantino's on stage. Show ends. And I'm like running down. Cause I'm like, I got to get to this green room right now. I got to get to the green room to like meet Tarantino. And security's like, stop. You're not going anywhere. I'm like, no, no, I, I know that I, I can get to the green room. I just chose to sit in the audience. Like, you're not going anywhere. We're all going to leave in a second. By the time I got to the green room, he was gone. Brutal. Brutal. But like he knew me and recognized me. That's incredible. It was the biggest moment of my fucking comedy career. That's huge. Yeah. This guy I love. I've had a couple good late night moments with people. Other guests? Yeah. Who? One was brutal. It was with Bill Hader. It was so brutally uncomfortable. Well, he came to my green room. This one hurts so badly. <laughs> he came to my green room and was like, "Hey, I'm a big, I'm a fan." And what? I, and I was like, "I was like, I thought he, I'm so fucking insecure. I thought he was fucking with me." So I said, <laughs> "So I was like, oh, okay." I, I really thought I didn't say thank you. I said, "Oh, okay." Like thinking he's fucking with me. And he goes, "No, I've seen a bunch of your shit online. Like it's so funny." And I was like, I felt so uncomfortable. I was like. I remember when I just panicked and I said, uh, you too, man. I, I, uh, I saw Trainwreck twice. And he goes, okay, and just left. And I was like, oh, oh I fucking ruined it. I stink. And I Management him with me and they were like, that was rough. Oh. I do love Bill Hader, but I just like, I was so uncomfortable. Like, I didn't expect it. It was so. Yes, you couldn't be like, I appreciate that, dude. That's I really cool. Because he was saying, this is what he was saying to you. Hey, I'm an artist and I think you're an artist too. So. We're both it was, cool. I've had a couple of, one moment was real good is I had Luke Wilson coming to my green room and was the coolest motherfucker ever Luke Wilson I had a really good set on that one and Luke Wilson came in the green room and was like on a Kona one and he was like uh, I'm gonna keep an eye out for you that was fucking fun wow. I really liked that and I and I another one I panicked I said uh, I was like dude uh, Royal Tenenbaums, old school. You're in the Hall of Fame. I was like, "Fuck me, <laughs> I fucked up again." But he was so he was so. I mean, Hater that's one. So, if you had to do it over again, what would you have done? I don't know because I I do love Luke Wilson just for the those two roles. Alone. Would you have been like, "Come out to the cellar one night"? 
I don't let's know. Hang, I don't know what I would have drinks. said. I just, I probably would have been like, "Thank you so much." I'm like, I, I love your stuff. I, I do love what Luke. Wilson. You know what it is? He's looking at you as a legit performer, and you're looking at you as an open micer. It's low self esteem yeah. for me. But but hater was the one that was like the Luke Wilson one wasn't that bad. The hater one, I was like, I'm a bitch. I'm a fucking nothing. <laughs> I acted like such a child. <laughs> but I also you you're just not used to that when you're on shows with some of these people. But then like I'll watch Barry and I'm like, God, Bill Hader's such a good actor. Like I forget like you forget this guy's so good. <laughs> you yeah. know? But uh yeah, I've definitely choked in some of those where you're like, it's all right. It's a, it, look, y- you learn, it, I guess. But they're almost funny, like cautionary tales for yourself where you're like, just none of this matters. Who also, gives a fuck? It, it wouldn't have turned into anything. No, it's just, it, it would have been me. like, this guy likes me. It's only for me. And, and yeah. honestly, they probably don't care. It was probably for that moment. It's probably like if someone did that to me, I wouldn't give a shit. I would be like, ah, oh, they were awkward, but they were nice. I, I don't. Yeah, if you went to some actress, some young actress, like, hey, I saw you. I actually saw that movie. They were really good in it. She'd be like, yeah. oh, okay. You're like, mm, all right. I wouldn't. No, I, but you still be like, I met her. That was probably not even a moment they'll ever think about again. But for me, it was a moment because I, you know, I was a fan. It was yeah. fucking weird. Yeah. <sighs> all right. I well, I did see on the billboard leaving uh, of this movie. What was the movie called? Once upon a time. Once upon in a Hollywood. time, Hollywood. It said Tarantino's ninth movie. His ninth? Yeah, what time is it? Fuck, I, I just totally missed the spot. I'm so what stupid. What time was your spot? Nine. You're fucked. I what? didn't realize that we fucking talked for like two I and a half hours. Um, so he's got one movie left. I'm hoping it's going to be great. Sam. Oh, you got a Texas. I fucked up. I'm Liz? sorry. No, I'm at the Westside yeah. Comedy Club. It's not the end well, of the whatever. world. But um, I didn't realize we talked for like two and a half hours. Yeah, good movie though. Good well, excuse I feel to see like a movie on a fucking in the, daytime in New York. That's for anything a fucking. It's like I vouch for this podcast and you because you. I could talk to you for hours. Yeah. God damn, I'm I'm such an asshole. I missed the spot. Westside, fuck. This woman's so nice. She runs the show. I'm the worst. What's her name? Felicia. Oh yeah. I'm the worst. I gotta go over there. Are you she said right now, six like, minutes to get there. I'm saying I'm at Ari Shafir's house in the East Village. It's not gonna happen. You need to take. Other steps. I fucked up. Uh, what are you gonna do? Um, Sam Morrill. Thanks for forgiveness. Yeah. At uh, Sam Morrill on Twitter. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, two R's, one L. Yeah. One L. M O R R I L. Um, you got your podcast keeping. No. Keeping Joe. Keeping Joe. I don't lie. I got a new one with Norman coming out, which is going to be a web show, which is us getting drunk at a bar, which you got to be one of our I first guests. I want to do one of those. Dude, it's, we'll do a PDS scotch with you. It's called One More Drink. It's me and Mark Norman, and we yeah. just shoot the shit, and we do dumb little guest games with guests, almost like throwback late night show style. It's you, That's what you guys have ch- changed it into? Yeah. From the original idea? Yeah. What do you think? I think do the original idea. It's going to be still similar to the original You'll figure idea. it out. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it at the fucking side room of the Fatback where Jay did the karaoke. That's what we're doing. It. Oh, okay. Great. Um, no, we're, we're still going to riff up top. It's just yeah. we're going to have a guest now at the end. I mean, it's still going to be us bouncing a joke idea, but it's going to be like a 20-minute riff on the joke. And then like going off on tangents. Going off on tangents. And then we have a guest and we get drunk together. Yeah, I like so that. So it's not that different. For sure, I'll do that. Um, keep it, Joe. What's the one with stuff with the... With the pod don't lie pod don't lie that's a basketball podcast it's so fun dude okay. i can't wait for you to be on that one too yeah. it's so it's just dumb as shit it's our year it's pelican's year well it's a yankees year but 
Pelicans. Are we're going to soon. the Yankees on Monday. Yeah, it's going down. I can't believe I fucking. That does suck. I, I've been where you are when you're like, fuck. This is all I'm supposed to be committed to is doing a spot. Um. All right, buddy. I fucked up. Yeah. When does this come out? This will come out. I think tomorrow. Dude. Denver Comedy Works. You're going there this weekend. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in LA. In I'm Dynasty Typewriter, August 14th. Denver Comedy Chubbly's Works. Room. Oh, no, that's not Tripoli's Room. Yeah. Denver Comedy Works, the 16th through the 18th. August. I'm doing Tripoli's Room, too, on the 13th. In LA. Yeah. And But Dynasty Typewriter in LA, the 14th, I'll do an hour. And then uh, Denver, the 16th through the 18th. 16th, Denver Comedy Works. One, such a cool club. The best. I recorded my first album there. And I got this weekend. Comics, Fox, uh, Mohegan Sun. Oh, well, I'll just keep quiet about that one. So, look, we're all Denver working. Denver Comedy Works. We're all working. 13th through the 16th, <laughs> something like that. Definitely go. If you're they in Denver. To me, they tried to get me to do morning radio at like. Fuck them. At like, at like it was a 6.30 a.m. pickup for an 8 a.m. spot. And I was like, what? I got I to travel an hour. No way. Kill me. Denver. Kill me. Denver. Go see Sam Marilla. He's a you great will. fucking joke writer, great joke teller. Thank you, man. August 16th through the 18th, 13th through the 16th. I can't wait. I've never been there. Oh, dude, really? I'm, I'm upset, dude. I was gonna do. I was gonna do. I was gonna take my next special there, but they took too long to get back to me. But I was like, Geraldo and Attell did their first albums there. To me, it had significance, and now it's It's hard to film there. But Rogan did his album uh, special there. Yeah, but like Rocky Mountain High. But like, it's tough to film. But the room is. Um, I mean, I can't wait. Michelle, I was there with. I was texting with her when she was there. Wolf. And she goes, this seems like cheating. It seems like they're laughing too much. I can't wait. Oh, it's a fucking victory lap. That place is the best. I need it. Yeah. I'm pumped. All right. And I'm going to LA and like, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for everything. Everything's yeah. good. Life is Listen good, to dude. Sam on Burt's podcast on, I'm going to call text Diaz right now. I'm going to call Diaz here in the text. Um, and he'll be on Punch Drunk this Tuesday. Am uh, I doing that? I got to text Sam. Yeah, I'll text him right. But yeah, text Sam. <laughs> like I want. Yeah, you'll talk Knicks. You're like the fucking. Um, you're and like the, the L.A. Whisperer. <laughs> I bridge the gap. The gap. <laughs> um, all right, fucking Colt. This podcast is sponsored by Carl Isla. Uh, Sam, thank you very much, buddy. Dude, um, is Kate Quigley cool? She asked me to do a podcast. Is she? She's cool. All right, cool. I'm excited. All right, bye, buddy. <laughs> This song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. We're stealing it back. When you get to the bottom, you go back to the top of the slide, and you stop, and you turn, and you go for a ride. Then you get to the bottom. So that's the episode, and I do believe that this was, in fact, a large part a movie about his friendship with Harvey Weinstein and about friendship in general. 
think that's a giant subtext. And when I see the movie again, I'm going to look more for that while I watch it. For sure. So, damn, what a fucking fun movie that was. Dude, we got drunk. Me and Sam got fucking drunk drinking that cold isla. The problem is no exact pours. Like in the UK, you know how they had those exact pours? In America, you have pretty much a, a shot glass. And as you're like pouring the shot glass into the, into the whiskey glass, you like keep pouring from the bottle a little bit. So it's a little more than a shot. Um, we, we didn't have that. I was just eyeballing it. And we just kept drinking. So we got fucking loaded, dude. We talked about it later the next day at the, at the cellar. He was like, dude, I was drunk as fuck in your podcast. I was like, yeah, I know. Uh, um. So anything we said towards the last hour and a half, don't take you know take with a grain of salt. Um, that's the episode, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you will go see this movie. It was fun. Don't forget, I am in Chicago at the Vic Theater, November sixteenth. Come see me. Detroit on the fourteenth. Um, Cincinnati on November seventeenth. Is that? Still don't have a date for my fucking special. I've also got San Jose. Everybody loves the Bay in November. Uh, October, I got Nashville. I got Houston. I got Dallas. And in September, I got Atlantic City, the Borgata on uh, September 7th. Madison, the 19th through the 21st. Brea, the 26th through the 28th. And uh, very possibly Winnipeg on the 22nd. I really don't know. I don't know why I think that's a thing. It's not in my calendar. But I think it might be a thing. We'll see. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I guess we'll just wrap it up, right? Next week, I will have a Patreon that you can join. I've start, I'm starting a Patreon. Hopefully, I'll have it this week. So next week, I will have that. And maybe I'll do a solo cast and just talk about all the shit I did while I was gone. I had so much extra time, you guys. Or maybe not. Maybe I'll just fucking... Go on and you can fucking decide for yourself if I sound better or not. Um, That's it. I have some other shit to talk about, but I still got to process that fucking stuff. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, from Sam Morrell, I'm Ari Shafir saying so long for Skeptic Tank episode 360 something. I don't know. Once upon a time in Hollywood. What a fun fucking movie. What a fun, nice movie. It was long and there was no story like it didn't go anywhere i never felt it dragged never once but you know i have bias i love tarantino so all right you guys thanks for tuning in and um until next week i think what i'm going to do for the patreon too i'm telling you right now but but i'll tell you the first episode i'm going to release is uh for you guys it'll be a it'll be a regular episode should i say this tomorrow next week I mean, nobody's even listening. So I'm going to, here's, I mean, I'm up for suggestions. Contact at AriShafir.com about what kind of things you should see on the Patreon. Mostly it is, I think what I'm going to do is release the interviews early. So before I have to put the intro and the outro on, like this one would have been up two days ago. I would have just uploaded it, just the, no music, no nothing, just here's the interview. And then if you want to hear the intros and outros, you can get them later if you want, but You'll get these faster. You know how I delay sometimes. Uh, two, I think I might do mailbag episodes to fill out the month. You know, if I do two or three of these regular ones, I got to do one to two or two to one of the, to, you know, keep it full for the Patreon listeners. So I might do a mailbag and answer questions, just kind of riff for 30 minutes to an hour. 
Um, otherwise, I'm not sure what else to give you other than if I get enough Patreon subscribers, maybe I can go ad-free completely. Although this episode has no ad either, so, you know, whatever. Oh, no, it does have an ad. Kaolale. What a fucking good scotch. So peaty. It tastes like fucking washed through moss. Uh, oh, I got so, such fucking great things in Glastonbury. Um, the, one of the first episodes I'm going to release on Patreon, I think the first one, I think I'll start at September 1st. Um, and I'll, next week I'll have a way to fuck it. So next week, sometime the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, something like that. I'll have, um, a way to join. And the very first Patreon release I will have as a kind of a fuck you to Patreon, um, is my interview about trolls with one of the best trolls in history, Mr. Milo Yiannopoulos. It was a fucking great interview for anyone who knows what trolling is all about. And if you don't, it'll fucking perhaps show you um, <laughs> what it is. Fucking good interview, man. Fun interview. So I, to, I, because I deplatformed him um, and that gives me qualms about joining, I figure why not let's just test the balance right now. And he's my first one. So uh, I'll have details on how to join next week. And then in a few weeks after that, you can hear the Milo episode before anyone else does, like a month before anyone else does. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Ari Shafir, right? That's it. That's all we got to do. Is there anything else? Okay. So I had some songs about friends. I can say this. Songs about friends because this movie really was about friends. Um, I found that Tori Amos song. I'll put that in the middle in between. But since it was about friends, I'm going to play a song about friends that I watched with friends. LCD Sound System. I went with Michelle... Wolf, Dan Soder, oh fuck, I gotta redo the intro. Dan Soder, Gary Vier, Dan Soder's in Montreal right now. You'll, I mean in Edinburgh right now. You wanna go see his hour. He's doing an American style hour, start to finish, laugh, laugh, laughs. I saw the hour in Montreal and it fucking crushes. So anyone going to Edinburgh right now, for sure go see Dan Soder. Sean Patton's there, he's amazing. You're gonna love him. Lisa Traeger's there, see her too for sure. And then probably, I mean, the pick that I want to make is Renazisi is starting. Steve Renazisi is starting um, his Edinburgh run. Um, starts on Tuesday at the Caves. And he is going to be doing an hour about his 9-11 lie. He first did it uh, in Salt Lake City when we had the storytelling show. And we decided to pick one of the topics for Ari Shafir's renamed storytelling show. I think one was travel and one was lies. And he was like, oh, come on, guys. And we were like, Bert, especially, way talked him into talking about it. And it was such a good fucking story and brought the place to a fucking halt. It was great. And so he's worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. He's bringing it to Edinburgh. At Just the Tonics, the caves, I'm pretty sure that's where it is. I think it's a 4 p.m. show, so you're not doing anything else. 4.30 maybe. And he's starting Tuesday, and you want to see that. That's going to be a weird and very, very interesting show. I kind of want to see it. I kind of want to go to Edinburgh just to see it, but like, because I haven't seen the whole hour version of it. But definitely check that out. That, that Those are my picks, and those are definitely the ones you want to see. And if you know people going to Edinburgh, tell them about those shows. Renazisi needs help because he didn't go with a promoter or anything. He doesn't really know the system. 
Um, so he needs people to get in there. You want to see it. You want to tell people, like, let's go to this because it's going to be fucking weird. Um, and then the rest of those guys, Soder and Lisa and Sean Patton, check those guys out, too. They're fucking great. Um, so anyway, since this movie is about friends, there's a LCD sound system song that I saw with Michelle, who's taping a special tomorrow night, Friday night at the uh, um, Skirball Center in New York. If you're available, 7.30 and 10, um, definitely go to that. She's her second special, her first Netflix special. Um, but we went to see LCD Sound System and just danced and, and thought and had a fucking wonderful time. And when LCD, when James Murphy started playing Where Are Your Friends Tonight? And I'm jumping up and down. I mean, I'm, that's how I dance. I jump. Oh, acid at the killers, dude. Yes. Um, it was just such a cathartic moment being around people you love and listening to that song at Brooklyn Steel. If you ever get a chance to go see LCD, bring three, four, five, six of your friends and go. Um, they're great, LCD Sound System. My other friends, Eric and Sam, the ones I started this, the storytelling show, they got me into them. And the first time I saw them was with Dan Soder, actually, at Bonnaroo. Oh, what a fucking full circles. And so, you guys, to go out, let's just play that song. Let's play Where Are Your Friends Tonight, or maybe it's called Friends, I don't know, by LCD Sound System. Um, and it, this reminds me of that night at Brooklyn Steel with my friends. Um, thanks, you guys, for tuning in. I'm Ari Shapir. So long.